Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 320. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And someday the, you know, the, the old joke, who's Connor? Uh, it's starting to feel more and more relevant to, <laughs> to, to the current Connor, episodes. Connor's the name of that cat, right? <laughs> I would not, I would, I would not dare insult my cat by uh, giving him that name. I, I saw a TikTok that says orange cats are more affectionate. Was that a joke? Or the, they were just talking about their cat? Or is this something that you have found? Uh, I'd say they're all affectionate, just in different ways. Firefly yeah. is definitely the one who comes up when I'm sitting on this chair the most often. But uh, Wesker snuggles on the couch and in the bed. Yeah. Garrus jumps up quite often. I don't know. All my cats are pretty... Okay. Quite yeah, I saw a thing where they're talking about how orange cats are more affectionate. So if you're going to get one... Keep that in mind that they always want to be around you, and they're always rubbing up against you. And um, I've never had an orange cat, so I don't know. I I feel like just part of it. So if you, especially if you have them from a kitten, if you just the, mm-hmm. depending on how you treat them as they're growing up, I feel like you'll encourage that behavior. Uh, yeah, so that I feel I, I feel like I have done. Um, as I look over at Garrus, just sort of giving me that kind of like half asleep, but keep an eye on me. Like, what are you doing, human? Don't you disturb me? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a DC Comics podcast, believe it or not, everyone. Uh, we get together, we talk about the comics we read this week. Coming up on this week's show, we will be discussing Detective Comics 1063, Action Comics 1046, Robin issue 17, The Swamp Thing issue 16, the final issue of that, may I add, mm-hmm. uh, Task Force Z issue 11, and Tales from the Human Target issue 1, which is the sort of the, the one-shot in between the, the, the break. It's kind of weird, though, that they waited till the month before it comes back to release this, but... Uh, Oh, oops, I'm, Daisy. Oh, really, I'm just happy to have it, right? Like it was, it, it was nice to join that world again. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Because obviously, it's been a few months, and it's mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh yeah, it's been a while since the last one. So it was nice to sort of dive a little bit back into it as a little taster before mm-hmm. we get back to the proper stuff. But uh, yeah, those are the books that we'll be talking about. Um. Uh, over the course of the episode, so uh, hopefully you will enjoy some of those. Um, you know, I was thinking uh, as I was putting my, my list of books together, there there was a time on this show, and it was because there was less DC books that were interesting, and we're not we don't have mm-hmm. that problem right now. There's plenty of good DC books mm-hmm. uh, every week, but there was a time where it was like, oh, should this show become less of specifically just being DC and sort of filter in some other books that we just want to mm-hmm. talk about because they're interesting. And I'd forgotten about it. And there's actually there's not anything I actually want to necessarily talk about right now because I've not really been mm-hmm. keeping up with anything else. But it was just it was, the thought went into my mind that it was a uh, yeah. It was it was back when see see before the uh, they shook everything up with uh, Future State. I want to say mm-hmm. there was a period where it felt like a lot of the books we liked had ended. Yeah. And we were just kind of there, and we're like, DC. Yeah, we were kind of waiting on interesting things <laughs> happening. Like, maybe it'll happen one day. I just, I don't know, the thought had occurred to me again for whatever reason. I just, you know, I get so invested into the DC comics, because right now I have less time than I ever had to sit and read. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and so I DC takes up a good chunk, and like, I'm still behind on, on Chip Daredevil, which I started going to. But... Yeah, that, that, for example, would probably be one of the few. But admittedly, yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like 30 issues behind on it at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, I... I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with the second trade. And I, every time I go to read it, I, I pass out in bed. Um, just because I'm by the time I have time to read, it's time for bed. But I don't keep up. I'm not very good right now. 
and keeping up on other companies. Um, well, the like show, the fact, like, the show helps with that though, because I mean, at least mm-hmm. with DC, because like you, you yeah. have this reason to read them by a certain time in the week, right? And and there's certain things that you know, like when I I went to Twitter this week and was like, man, I really need Ram V and Tom King to stop writing really good books with really great artists, you know, like because we're we're spoiled right now, and I don't see too many, you know, like other so like Marvel or Image or other companies might have the same problem. I would know. Because I'm over here in my, my little DC section. So, um, but yeah, no. I, I wish I knew what was going on over there. I really I really do. It's, uh, I don't know. It's just, I think the downside to it would be that um, some of the books that are kind of like not great, but we, you know, we were happy enough reading them, would probably not make the cut anymore because we'd rather read the best books from somewhere else mm-hmm. instead. Which is probably sure. why fans of the show would hate it because they want the weird DC stuff being read. That's part of the... Yeah. appeal i assume you know i just said that but then i did i did read do a power bomb number one and i have two and three to read mm. um but i did i did read that um i'm gonna read dark ride as it comes out the new williamson book which is fusing two of my favorite things horror and theme parks so that makes sense i'm catching up on department of truth i have the third trade but yeah i just over at marvel there's nothing like i was reading captain america when uh who, who was writing that yeah, I was reading that, and then I got behind. I was reading Avengers, and I got behind because I love Jason Aaron. I just, I got to this Khonshu arc, and I just, it got really crazy, and I haven't gone back. Like, I have the issues. <laughs> um, I still need to finish Immortal Hulk, because as I was watching She-Hulk, I was explaining things to, to my wife about the Hulk that they did there to make him more scary. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was such a good book. But yeah, and I feel like that was at that time that you were just talking about that we were looking for other things because DC really wasn't hitting, yeah. hitting on all cylinders for us. I suppose that's the other point is that there was a good handful of books from elsewhere that were mm-hmm. interesting and seemed worth talking about. But uh, yeah. I don't know. The thought just popped in my head. Uh, we actually don't have that problem right now because uh, <laughs> uh, mainly thanks to King uh, Ram Taylor. V. Taylor. Ram v. Yeah. yeah. And then throw in those, Johnson. Those, yeah. Those are the main ones that, that come up for me are those three guys, like no matter what at this point, like, you know, I can't think of the last time I really didn't like a Tom King book. And I don't think I've ever ran into a Taylor book that's underwhelmed. Well, um, but my cat woman got a bit murky, but <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I'm glad I read it. You know, like the mm-hmm. art was a little bit off, but the writing in of itself was, you know, decent, but, but yeah. And with Ram B, he's been everything I've read from him at DC in fact, I I should follow up because I ordered these Savage Shores from my comic shop, and it never came in. So I, I gotta I gotta see if they've ever followed up on that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's really really like it's a good time right now at DC, and like you said, Johns is on the on the horizon. With ah, yeah, of course, stuff. yeah, that that weird like thing coming in. Yep. Uh, but hey, uh. Oh, just a food for thought. Uh, if people like the idea of us tacking on one or two books that aren't DC, if we if we happen to care about them enough to want to keep talking about them, then mm-hmm. uh, give us your feedback. Uh, I'd be curious to hear it. Um, this is a sort of thing where if there's a, if there's like a really quiet week from DC, like, you know, Joe. Sometimes the imbalance the month where all yeah. the books are on three weeks, and then there's that one week that's got like three books. It's a sort of mm-hmm. thing where, like, ah, oh, the few other books that we might talk about, we could all put in that week. You know, regardless of when they came out, we'll, right. we'll just do them on that week, because, you know. 
stick quite weak. Yeah, yeah makes it's... sense. Uh, but uh, anywho, hey Matt, what's your favorite lyrics in the Space Girls? Uh, when two become one. I was ready this week. <laughs> I was ready. I was you, ready you, to separate things this week. You might have looked up on the Space Girl lyrics to see. You. <laughs> that, was, that was the one I remembered off the top of my head, but I knew you were going to do this. So. Uh, there's always time for a Comixology Top 10. Now, you may remember last week there was some confusion and some controversy because DC seemed to be absent from the Top mm-hmm. 10 of Comixology. Um, it appeared to be that way again this week. However, I have... I took some time before we started the show to actually look at it properly, and I have seen what has happened here. Uh, they've they've changed slightly how they do this. Um, they now separate the releases by the day they came out. So what's happening now is that DC is ranked by sales, but it's ranked on its own for the Tuesday because they all came out on Tuesday as opposed to Wednesday when every other comic <laughs> comes out. So. It means that from now on, the Comicsology Top 10 will just be the Top 10 DC books of the week. <laughs> this segment, Pete... Uh, they're, they're, that's the universe telling you to stop. That's what I'm just saying. Hey, technically, this makes it more relevant to the show. <sighs> Although it was fun. But it's not the top 10 overall. I know, but that's, that's yeah, sure. It's not as funny to compare it and see, like, you know, how it's doing against Marvel yeah. for the week, but, you know. Um, so, so you can't go to, you can't pull Wednesdays to see what it is? Well, I can look at Wednesdays well separately, but it doesn't include DC's books. You know, they're just, they're split. It's like two separate charts. Ay, ay, ay. So, anyway, DC top books of Comicsology. Right, well, I'm just going to select all for DC. What do you think is number it, one is? I can get the order right. Alright. You, you want me to guess? Go on, guess. Number one. Uh, Detective Comics 1063. You would be right. I'm not going to give you too many points because you know, it's, like, it's a Batman book. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> you're not getting that much yeah. praise for well, it. I don't have to guess X-Men or Spider-Man anymore either, That's so it's true. really illogical. It's, it's yeah. Batman or event book probably most weeks, right. uh, you right. would think. Uh, but yeah, Detective... 1063 is number one. Number two... I don't know if you'll get number two. Give it a try. If you think that... Um, is it is it something that we don't read on on a regular? It is something we're not talking about today. Yep, so it's going to be Harley Quinn 21. It is Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes issue 5. I was so confident. Dang, hey, good good for the Legion. They, they need that. Uh, yeah. Uh, number three is Action Comics, 1046. Number four is The Tales of the Human Target, issue one. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, so that's nice that as well. Uh, number five is Batman, White Knight Presents, Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six is Robin, issue 17, which I completely forgot was going to be the final issue of this yeah. this run. Uh, I was getting to today. Yeah. Uh, so more on that in a little bit later. Uh, number seven is Olympus Rebirth, issue one. Number eight is Batman Fortress issue four. So, uh, a Batman book only making it to number eight in a DC only list is pretty damning, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Uh, so, clearly, that's not doing too hot. Uh, Fables 154 comes in at number nine. And then number 10 is Task Force Z issue 11. Just missing out in the DC top 10 is Swamp Thing issue 16. So, I'm a little sad that that's not doing better, yeah. but I, I assume it's going to do well in trade, if nothing else. Yeah. I, I I do feel like people thought like oh I'll just get this yeah you know yeah 
Yep, and then uh, just, I'll just, I mean, it's all just the DC books, so it's really quickly to just say, uh, 12 is Destro Kink, uh, 13 is the Critical Role book, The Mighty Nine, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a trade. Uh, number 14 is the Harley Quinn, which I, I would expect that to do better than that, but that's, uh, maybe Harley Quinn fans like their variants and they all buy physically, maybe that's what yeah. that is. Uh, number 15 is DC Mech for the, for the, the week, so not too hot. Um, but there you go. That's uh the DC books for the week. Uh, and just in case you are remotely curious, I'll give you highlights of the the Wednesday numbers. Uh, Axe Judgment Day number one, Amazing mm-hmm. Spider Man comes out at number two, Marauders number three, Fantastic Four number four, Avengers Forever at number five. Uh, what's this? Defenders Beyond issue two. Um, and then you got what is that? Darth Vader. Comes in at number seven, damage control number one at number eight, Captain America symbol of truth is that? I don't even know what this is. Issue four, yeah, symbol of truth. It's a, it's a Falcon Cap book, the looks of it. Gotcha. And then number ten on the Wednesday chart is Minor Threats issue one. Oh, that's the um, Pat Oswalt book. Oh, yeah, I see. see put, yeah. Putting over on. Uh on uh twitter a lot which i didn't realize came out this week what's interesting about this is that by separating dc it means the wednesday obviously is dominated by marvel but it gives a couple of indie books a chance to get in because dc's not there taking up numbers so uh curious so now you get two top tens for the price of one in this segment every week this is the worst timeline Is that, an, is that an image book, The Minor Threats? Because I might have to go uh, back and get it. It's a good Let's question. See. No, it's not coming up on their list. It doesn't look like image from the cover. It looks like Dark Horse to me. Yeah, it's Dark Horse. Sweet. I'm going to have to go. Yeah, it's interesting. And what's funny is I could have always filtered out the publishers to just get Marvel yeah. or DC before, but now it's forcing me to do it. I like them having been mixed, but now this is the only options I've got, so... Uh, this is this is what you're getting, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what you're getting. We're so we're so lucky. You are lucky. You don't know how good you've got it, Matt. Sure. Uh, I I do know I'm not as lucky that we were planning on going to the movies last night. Yet there was four showings of the movie we wanted to see. So we just went to dinner and came home. But what yeah, movie did you want to see? Oh, uh, we're gonna see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies because uh-huh. we like to go see horror movies in the theater. You know and. Uh, not the the theater that we have close to us didn't have a showing. The next closest didn't have them until like super late. And I'm, I get up at four for work, so that wasn't I wasn't going to a ten thirty five movie, Bodies especially Bodies for a Bodies. Pete Davidson vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll go, I'll go at six o'clock after dinner oh and be happy with it. But yeah, pretty pretty disappointed. But I'm sure that I'll watch fine at home when it hits. But you know, horror movies are fun. It was like. Um, we went and saw Happy Death Day on a whim, and that's some of the most fun I had in the theater. So, uh, yeah. I like how you say that casually, like it's not a five-year-old story. No, I know, but still, like it was. <laughs> it's not something like we were eagerly waiting. It was like, hey, you want to go to the movies for a date night? I'm like, sure, and it's made things fun. I think I'm gonna have her watch X, but I'm waiting for closer to the spooky season. Have you seen X? Yeah, oh yeah, I went to the movie oh. theater to see it, and uh, 
sat next to an old couple that got into a fight because the things got steamy. <laughs> I found upset. It's so great. Uh, did they not look at the synopsis? You know, I don't believe they did. But me and my brother were very uncomfortable with this old man because the wife got up and left. I mean, so, you know, the, the premise of the movie is a group of young people are making a porno. Uh, Yep. <laughs> like you know, you have yep. to expect a certain level. That of, was uh, that was up there when uh, when I went to go see the three hundred sequel, and when when the sex scene started, the old lady got up, and her husband didn't want to leave, and she yelled at him, and I I don't think I've laughed that hard at something like that in a very long time because it was it was something almost out of a sitcom, like you couldn't have booked it better. So old man's like, sit down, Deidre. I can't stand up right now. My, yeah, my exactly. the, the old bones come back to life. <laughs> I only have enough blood to run one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was so funny. But yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no. It, the spooky season's upon us. My my niece is old enough that we're gonna we're gonna have her come over and start her with some entry level stuff. You know, there was um, a lot of uh, horror news this week, actually. There was. Uh, uh, we got a date for the new Hellraiser, early October. Uh, mm-hmm. The Evil Dead movie that was going to just be on HBO Max is now getting a theatrical release next spring. Yep. So that's cool. I uh, mean, I was I was looking forward to that either way. Um, so theater should be fun because I've never seen an Evil Dead in the theater. So that, that should be cool. Yeah. Well, given what happened to Batgirl, there was a chance that Aslov yeah. might, uh, <laughs> might axe it. So I think everyone's just relieved that there's a plan for it. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, news. and then uh, so I'm wearing a, a Friday the Thirteenth theme shirt. We had to go eat donuts Ooh. this morning. Guy at the donut shop was like, "Oh, did you hear the news about the Thirteenth movie?" And I had not, because the last thing I had heard was, you know, uh, Sean Cunningham and the writer were still arguing over rights. But it seems they came to a deal, and there there might be, you know, the legal. There's more momentum now than there's been in a long time. The, so. le- the the court case, the legal issues were solved earlier in the year, and just this past week there's been a couple of hints that maybe there's something brewing. Um, I have to imagine that they see these new Halloween movies doing mm-hmm. pretty well, they see a new Hellraiser coming out, they see new Texas Chainsaw Massacre's coming out, and they yeah. think, oh, we need to get some more Jason out there, why is there no Jason movies? So, yeah. th- I imagine they're probably gagging to do one at this point. Yeah, so, whatever it is, I'm gonna like it, um... So just just to go see it in the theater, I say that, but when there's really only two Friday the Thirteenth, I don't enjoy. So do you know, Matt? You know. It's been now thirteen years, funnily enough, since the last Friday the Thirteenth movie, which is the longest gap that this yeah. franchise has ever had between movies. And it, and it almost would work out to their favor because it'd be thirteen years until thirteen. Well, nah, because so, by the time it comes out, it'll be at least fourteen now. That's true, because they have to hold to it. But yeah, dang. That's a lot of time. But because there's not even that many gaps in Halloween, right? Like, Halloween, I mean, Halloween has some sort of like clear gaps between like sections, but none of them are that big. Because, no, like you, because they basically went straight from six to the sort of the reboot time or the reboot sequel timeline of H2O. And right. that was only a couple of years. That was 95 to 98. So there's barely right. nothing in that. There's a bit of a gap between Resurrection, which kind of ended that run, mm-hmm. and the, then the remakes, which was 2002 to 2007, so five years between yeah. those. And then you get the second Rob Zombie movie, which obviously killed the franchise for a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which and that, toxic. and that was 2009, so that was the biggest gap, was 2009 yeah. to 2018, which is when yeah. 
the start of this newer trilogy is coming out. Uh, which that new movie, Halloween Ends, has a horrible poster of Michael and Laurie standing back to back. It is the dumbest shit. I believe Tim called it Halloween Friends, and I can't unsee it now. Um, all I could see was the Iron Man 2 poster of Iron yeah. Man and War Machine standing back to back. Yeah. That's all I could see. Yeah. Look, I've, I've come to terms with this new trilogy being trash, and that's what makes it enjoyable, because they're, they're not good, but I don't hate watching them. They're not, like... They're kind of fun bad at this point. I don't know about um, the first one, but Halloween Kills did cross a line into this is so bad and hilarious that yeah. it, there's, there's something to actually kind of get out of this. I, I After you showed me or Tim showed me, it might have been both of you, the Iron Lady, <laughs> I've been showing everybody that will listen. So like, uh, my new co-worker's really into to horror movies too. And I told him about the Iron Lady. He goes, no. So I pulled up a picture. He goes, oh, I'm going home and watching this and looking for her now. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So if this one's at least, like, I yes, I want them to be good because it's Halloween. But at the end of the day, as long as it's entertaining, that's all I need. You know, I'm not that pretentious when it comes to things. Um, mm. But I'll, I'll be at the theater for ends, good or bad. Yeah, the, uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I'm not excited about it, but I'm hoping it's at least as funny as the last one was. What's? Yeah. What's? What's that called? When you're like you're not excited, but you. It's like, I don't know. Morbid curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. That might be it. Because I gotta know. Because I know there's a time jump. With the way the last one ended, I have so many questions on how this time jump is gonna work. Um. But yeah, and Jamie Lee's out there saying some crazy stuff too which i think she's trolling at this point like she has to be self-aware enough but yeah i don't know she's just good at the paycheck she got for coming back again yeah i I mean and hey please use the john carpenter method which is my favorite thing where he goes add another zero and we have a deal (laughs) you know so uh there um um, there is there is go ahead I was oh. going to say, there is actually some DC movie news uh, this week that's yeah, worth mentioning uh, to keep something somewhat on topic here. Uh, yeah. So they finally announced the delays. We were expecting delays for Aquaman 2 and Shazam 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've finally done it where Shazam, which was going to be Christmas, it was opening the same week as Avatar yeah. 2, which they were always going to move from. Regardless of anything, they were always going to move from that week. But that's now going to be, I think, March next year, and Aquaman 2 is now Christmas next year so they've been pushed back but what's more fascinating forgive me for those of you who listen or watch the uh, almost cancelled uh, news podcast which i do with connor uh, it's up early on patreon yeah good good question uh so that's already up on patreon when we record this uh and goes out it actually goes out the same day as the comics podcast well enough but we talked about this because it, it, it tied out some tv news but what's interesting is part of the reason for these delays is that warner brothers discovery or like can only afford to market so many movies that this year, so now it's just Black Adam and that Olivia Wilde movie, which has got a bunch of controversy as well. Uh, Ooh, explain me the controversy there. Is well, it the Florence Pugh stuff? Yeah, it's Florence Pugh who doesn't okay. want to market it. Uh, Chloe's not had a good time on it. Uh, there's a whole thing where Shia LaBeouf was in the movie and then left. 
and Olivia tried to beg it to come back, and the video of her doing that was a bit dismissive of Florence Pugh, so she came off looking a bit shitty. Uh, Look, anyone that broke Jason Sudeikis' heart just already started in a <laughs> hole for me, alright? Yeah, so, I don't know, but between that movie and The Flash, which is its own like you know, can of worms. Uh, the, 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 to to be a fly in the wall of uh, the decisions Look, room of Warner Brothers yeah. Discovery right now. <laughs> I don't know if this would be considered an unpopular opinion, but I would gladly trade both Aquaman two and The Flash for Batgirl. Right now, done. Wipe the two. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's important. I mean, I don't think. I think because of what Ezra Miller's been doing, I don't think anyone's going to argue about The Flash so much, but I think Aquaman yeah. 2, you may get some resistance from fans of that, I, I guess. It's like, look, I like Momoa enough. That first Aquaman movie was fine. But you're, you're talking about a whole year that it's being shelved. Like, it, I, I, I have a hard time believing that it's going to be as relevant. Like, it's just going to feel like this... I don't know. It's at, the point, the, it's at the point where James Wan's probably going to have another horror movie done yeah. now by the time that comes out. <laughs> yeah. What was his last one? That was so insane. Um, Malignant? Malignant, yeah. Yeah, he'll have Malignant 3 out by that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. oh, that was the other horror news this week. The Nun 2 has got a release date next oh, year. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> um, my wife, Even though we know they're not good, my wife's really into the Conjuring verse to watch. And it's just diminishing returns at this point. I mean, the first it's... two, the first two conjurings are good. Yeah, but that's about. Well, that... and I like Annabelle come home, comes home just as a fun little. I mean, that was mom. the that was the best of the rest of them, but it's still yeah. you know it's a bit of a a, a jump. It was a dirt. Yeah, there's huge like Curse of La Llorona, not like boring. Like yeah, I'll guess who's directing the nun too. Is it the Curse of La Llorona guy? Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah, there you go. Who's one of James Wan's guys, right? Like, he wrote he wrote a couple of them, right? Like he wrote Annabelle? I, I, I can't remember. Hmm. But, yeah. I mean, will I sit here and watch it from my couch? Probably. We don't necessarily go out to the theaters to see those ones. I, uh, the nun messed me up from Conjuring 2. Just the image of her. It, it I didn't like seeing it, so we, we didn't go see that at the movies. We watched it here. So I'll probably watch the nun 2 here, too. But, yeah, I just, I can't. Like you said, Juan could have like two movies come out from then uh, by the time this Aquaman comes out. And th- that's nothing against his skill or the performances, but it's just, I don't know. I'm just not as excited. And I love the property of Aquaman, like the character, <clears throat> like, uh, you know, I defend him all the time. It's just hard to get excited for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the only DC movie I'm kind of even remotely excited about is the Batman 2, just because the first one was actually that damn good. That, yeah. You know, and Matt Reeves yeah. is such a great director, but that's why I'm excited for that to come, yeah. eventually come it's not out. Batman, it's more Matt Reeves, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but everything else is just in a bit of a, you know, a, a, you know, it's up in flames at this point. Like, who... yeah, well, it seems like things are, are, are changing. It looks like they're hiring someone new for the position to kind of oversee that section of movies. So, I don't know, maybe we'll see a new slate pop up. But, I don't know, Black Adam doesn't make me feel great, just based off the trailers. So I'm pretty sure if they announced a slate of movies, I wouldn't believe them. I'd be like, no, I yeah. don't believe a word of this until you actually put movies in my lap, because <laughs> you've yeah. done this before. <laughs> so, so uh, one of the guys I follow, he goes by Comic Steve, he's a huge Aquaman fan. Uh, he pointed out that Peacemaker, this show, 
is the most expansive DC universe thing uh, because of all the characters it references and just talks about. And you got to think that's James Gunn's involvement in his writing and him just throwing stuff out there. Just him having fun, presumably. Yeah, and, and I know he has Guardians 3 in the works or whatever, but I wonder if they kind of bring him in as a consultant to try to redo. Because, you know, Peacemaker, both fans and critics enjoy it. I still haven't finished it. I need to restart it. It's, it's been a minute. Um, but I just wonder if, if you let him kind of, because we enjoyed su- the Suicide Squad. Like, yeah, it felt they were solid. In the DC yeah. universe, you know, um, he just, he has a, a, a voice and an eye for these kind of things. And I, I don't need him writing and directing a bunch of stuff, but if you kind of bring him as a consultant and try to make things work, I think, DC's in a better place than it has been in years uh, with, with his help. But who knows what he's going to do. I mean, really the only reason he got to do the Suicide Squad was because of a kerfuffle over at the other company. So... Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, this is uh, DC related, actually. Uh, a bit of interesting trivia from this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you see uh, the stories about how Neil Gaiman once nuked a Sandman movie? Yeah, and I'll, and I'll let you tell the people because... I immediately thought of you. Yes. When I read the story, I immediately thought of Pete. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's, this is obviously DC really because it's, it's Sandman, which is very good and all that. But, um, so there was a script for a Sandman movie that Neil Gaiman himself leaked online to make sure it can never happen because it was terrible. But that's not the part that made myself laugh and presumably what made Matt laugh and I know made Connor laugh is that it turned out the person behind this script was none other than producer John Peters. Who is John Peters, you may ask? Well, if you've ever seen The Death of Superman Lives, the documentary about the Superman Tim Burton movie that never happened, but was going to with Nicolas Cage and all that. Um, John Peters was the producer on that. So there was this wacky thing when, when you know, Gaiman's guessing or saying all these things about how terrible the script was. There happened to be an excerpt of one of his quotes that mentions something that John Peters put in the script. And if you know John Peters, you can probably guess what it is. But for anyone who doesn't know, that is giant mechanical spiders. He wanted giant alien spiders in the Superman movie. He eventually got a giant mechanical spider in another film he produced, Wild Wild West, if you've seen that gem. (laughs) <laughs> that's his thing that's his fetish I don't know what it is but so all I, all I read in the headline was giant mechanical spiders and Gaiman saying no and I go I bet you this is the Superman Lives guy and boom there it was and I was like oh my god Pete's gonna have a field day with this one uh, I Ugh. I had a good chuckle to myself that like I mean, I don't, I don't know if the, I, I don't think I ever read exactly when all this happened, but I'm assuming it was around that same era where yeah, uh, he was trying well, to get spiders and everything. <laughs> you got to think too that if it was, you know, if he leaked it online, it had to have been in like at least the early 2000s. Well, when that internet when existed was... in the late 90s, right? But but enough for like enough for Gaiman to be like, hey, if I put this on the internet, it'll be enough to stop it. Because like I know, uh, ain't it cool news has been around since like ninety eight, but it didn't have the presence until the early two thousands, I think. Like I'm talking like two thousand two thousand one, ish. Yeah. Because uh, I know that's when all the Star Wars stuff was kind of going around for after Phantom Menace in ninety nine. So. Um. But yeah, oh my god, giant mechanical spider and Sandman. Which have you watched any of the Netflix Sandman? Nah. 
Yeah, I've i I've heard it's very, very good and I plan to, but there's so much, man. I'm 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 starting Saul. So I oh, can good. now that it's over. Yeah. High priori. Yep, yep. So I have to do that. I just have to find time again. I did tell my wife, get ready, because I've almost been spoiled um by a couple things about the ending just by accident. And uh, I need to get it done. So I go, don't, don't, you know, get, don't get upset that we're going to be watching a lot of Saul soon. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited for that. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, Sandman. Uh, I just started, it's very good. And, you know, as a DC fan, I've never read anything outside of the Tynan. So I kind of want to use this as a kind of entryway, but nothing but praise. So, um, yeah, I read yeah. The, the first collection, you know, Mm-hmm. a few years back um you know every month if those you don't know i review tv shows on melfa's tv youtube channel mm-hmm. um occasionally connor's on there as well he used to be on all the tv reviews before his schedule changed but um every month there's a, a vote for which pilots to prioritize and sandman uh shockingly did not make the the, the cut bro i didn't even realize it was up until i saw people like well we have a i think he's a mutual friend andrew uh stalo mm. he was talking about it online because he's a huge Sandman guy, uh, and how happy he was. Um, and I was like, oh man, that's already out? And then, of course, uh, Alden started talking about it. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to need to maybe mute some words here. Um, so, uh, just, and then nothing else came from it. It's the only two people. Then, I, you know, I saw Patton Oswalt again talking about, because he voices Matthew the Raven. Um, you know, talking about how fun it was to work with Neil and and whatever so yeah um man what what over prioritize sandman and what did people have you watched that was up against uh so they made what, what did i watch this month uh, she hulk okay did that pilot um i did five days at memorial which is an apple show okay um uh, starring viewer from Iga. uh linking back to our conjuring conversation so there you go it's all connected yeah, well, I- and and I like her a lot. I you know I I watched the first season of Beats Motel. She was very good. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, and I'm going to be doing the patient next week. Uh, I can't remember what network or what streaming service that's on. But uh, maybe who? Yeah, there's just too much. Um, well, well, people, if you really want to make Pete upset, um, you should make him house make him watch House of Dragons. I was totally for that. That didn't make the cut. I was delighted that didn't make the cut. I, <sighs> best result I've ever had is not forcing me to watch that. Is is the patient the Steve Carell one? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a yeah. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even remember the premise now. I, I you know when I'm making these votes for the following month, I look at all the trailers and and right. put the post up and all that. But um, I know next ne- you know, the vote that's up right now in the voting tier for next month. Has Andor in it? Has the Lord of the Rings show in it? Uh, neither of which I want to watch. <laughs> so I mean, I know which one I'll go with over, you know. Um, but yeah. Um, and there's a couple of things I can't remember. Oh what God, I like again. I brought up my friend Alden. I don't know how he has all the time to get into the epic battles he does online, and I just see him arguing with people over the Lord of the Rings stuff, and I'm just like, bro. Stupid people are going to be stupid, man. Like, I'm not arguing with a stranger over elves, all right? I'll argue over superheroes and wrestling any, any day of the week. But I draw the line at elves. Yeah. And, and I don't understand the controversy around Lord of the Rings, nor do I care. 
And Lord of the Rings is up there with Star Trek, where I'm like, I'm glad you guys like it. I'm gonna be over here, right? Like you all, all have fun. Play, play your game. I'm fine. So, <laughs> uh, you're frozen for some reason. I don't know what's going no. on, but you look. Uh, Am I back? I guess not hear you, but uh, oh, there you are. Okay. Everybody was. There you go. You're, you're moving again. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, you know what it was? It, it's. It's the magic from, from Middle Earth mm, coming to tell me to shut it. Yes. Uh, and hey, don't worry, Matt. This week, uh, your your favorite wrestler uh, is is now in line with King Kong. They both get jobbed out by a superior opponent, and uh, that's all right. I'm okay. I mean, did you check on me on Wednesday? Yeah. Was I okay <laughs> then? No. Did I lie about it? Yes. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway. That's okay though. I got to I got to see DMD, so it's fine. It's fine. Mm. It's fine. <laughs> see, all I'm seeing is that 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 little cartoon of the dog and the house on fire, saying it's fine. That's what I'm getting from you. That's the energy I'm getting from well, you right now. You talking about what could have happened? Never in my mind there was a three minute match. Never. <laughs> I was like, oh, it'll be, even if Box wins, it'll be a a twenty minute classic. No. Oh. That said, though, that that main event, though. Oh, oh yeah, and uh, that Will Osprey kid's real good. Yes, I feel like wrestling is probably one of the most alienating things we can talk about, though. So I'm going to move oh, us swiftly yeah. on, uh, and it's probably time to start diving into the the comics Seems like a good idea. themselves. Yes, uh, as you can tell, there was not really any news this week, so you got some waffling about horror movies and whatever else. And, and- DC TV shows and movies and, you know. Uh, you go to this week's comments. There we go. It's a good idea. Well, while we were talking, I was looking up covers, so I'll, I'll be ready to go then. Mm. Which you can do when I talk about Task Force Z. Yes, yes. Uh, which I didn't get around to reading this week, so that gives me time. Yep. Gives me time. All right. Let's get into the books. Detective Comics 1063, Ram V, writing Raphael Albuquerque. On the art. Uh, so, obviously we're still just getting to grips with this new run, this new arc, and uh, some of these new characters that Tynion's introducing. Uh, there's a framing device here of sorts with Bruce coming to see Harvey Dent, who's, you know, he's, he's feeling better, he's not feeling two-faced. Obviously he still has the physical scars, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, he he's you know claiming not to be involved in anything. Bruce is trying to see who's making a power play in Gotham and the underworld because you know someone's making moves. We've seen it. You know, it's people representing this family who are on their way uh, yeah. to to Gotham, uh, and we get into a bit more of that. And uh, more definitively, uh, we get this realization that one of their ancestors who was living in Gotham changed his name to Arkham. Mm-hmm. And Amadeus Arkham's a descendant of that person when he created mm-hmm. the, the Asylum. Uh, and part of why they're coming is because as well, while the Arkham Asylum's under this bastard name, as they call it, they, they want to come and not let their family's memory drift into, you know, nothing and sort of reclaim. So all these yeah, moves they're it, making is about, you know, putting their family name and being a force to, to reckon with. To reckon with in Gotham, because when Gotham was just yet a small town, they made a deal with the Orgums, and uh, in that there was a lot of land that that was dealt to the Orgums. So it's also it feels like a power play for the city itself. Absolutely, um, yeah. Uh, they feel entitled to, and I just I love all of this 
like anytime they do the history of Gotham or Metropolis, because even uh, Fraction did this in the Jimmy Olsen book. I just like how it twists stuff that we already thought we knew. Right. And so we thought we knew about the Arkhams and how they dealt with the, you know, with the Waynes and the Canes and how that all fit in. But just the fact that they are this, you know, older family with with a, a seeming like dark secrets from Europe, you know, that, that came to settle in Gotham, almost like Gotham called to them is really interesting. Yeah, it's one of those things where it doesn't feel too shoehorned in or retconned because it's going mm-hmm. so far back in the timeline, and it's yep. you know, it's, you know, this doesn't change who Amadeus Arkham was. I mean, Amadeus mm-hmm. Arkham may not even have known about this, like these right. ancestors. You know, this is just this is like right. going further back and into you know things mm-hmm. that aren't as relevant, but obviously this family remembers and want to come back yeah. and reclaim what's theirs. It, it kind of reminds me of the Court of Owls, but without the weird secret society aspect. It's you know, these people are kind of moving. Not, I mean, they are in the shadows, but not like the Court of Owls was, right? Where they're they're a secret society, whereas these guys are, you know, almost coming in like a new crime family. Um, but I I do get those vibes of there's a secret to Gotham, and they're gonna unveil it. Yeah, and the people and the people who, like, you know, Batman chases after a guy for answers, and this guy, you know, effectively activates a suicide pill, but it, it disintegrates his body. You know, he run, he jumps off this bridge that they're, they're, they're fighting on. Or not even fighting, he's just running from Batman, really. Yeah. Uh, but he says he's ashes before he even hits the ground. So, uh, you know, um, I really love the uh, the next page after that, which is like, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the club or the tavern, whatever it is, on fire. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, just the, the, the way that the orange flame sticks out against the, the green background and it just there's a, I think my favorite thing about the last issue, and same again with this one, is just the the, the atmosphere that it's got going. Uh, mm-hmm. It really feels like a more gothic uh, version of Gotham that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and cool. and it does feel different than the um, than than the Gotham that Ram V wrote in Catwoman, right? Yeah, yeah, like, it feels different to that. He has shifted gears effectively. Um, and it, it still has its own tone, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, t- Harvey kind of just convinces Bruce that he's that he's kind of better now. He's got like a Phantom of the Opera style mask covering these, you know, that, that half of his face, which is kind of a nice touch. Yeah. Especially given the themes of, you know, this, this you know, being an opera style story that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, yeah, we get to see in the boat with the family. Uh, a couple of interesting things here. So the woman here that's looking after... Mm-hmm. Uh, the main dude, uh, Azrin, right? So, or Arzen, sorry. Arzen, mm-hmm. like, is asking questions and she sort of explains some of this, this backstory we talked about. But what I thought was interesting is it's like she kind of, I don't know if she's like supernatural or like a computer, but the way her, like, her, her, her mm-hmm. speech bubbles change, it's like she initiates like memory mode or something yeah. and starts like giving out like encyclopedic knowledge. And I'm like, like oh, what's, what's, what's with this? This seems interesting. Uh, to me, I read it like she was in a trance. Mm. Like it, like it clicked so i definitely think i air more to supernatural right like there's something yeah there's something about her that i'm sure is tied to barbados it definitely feels supernatural but i would describe if i was trying to describe what it feels like it's Uh like in a like a robot movie where an android recites something and sort of Mm -hmm. like the eyes turn a different color because it's like just regurgitating like a speech or something that's what it kind of felt like to me uh but i assume the source of it's different than that. yeah um but that's the thing is like i don't know if it's tied into to the whole barbados thing because that's what we 
that's what we that the vibe that I'm getting from this is that from what we know from metal and death metal and uh you know Bruce being like this failed soldier of Barbados or Barbados it, like do these people work with him or do they work against him and now he's you know that's why he wants Bruce is to fight against these guys um and and I like that mystery because it you know uh it's just you get these glorious pages of bats and and whatever, and just what that means to Gotham. And now you have these guys who helped start Gotham, but they've been removed from it. So, yeah, um, there's another interesting thing here we have to point out in this scene is that Arzen kind of hulks out effectively. Mm-hmm. He gets angry and he, he grows bigger. And then, like, the servant dude, like, plays this music box, which calms him down and he kind of, like, becomes normal again. But we see right. that the, the, the railing on the boat is, like, crushed from his hand. So, yeah. It's setting up that we've got like a, a super powered type villain here yeah, to deal with. Crushed and smoking. So there's there's heat at play there too. Like he's a he's a powerhouse for sure. So yeah, we're teasing kind of what they're up to. Uh, Batman uh, sneaks in to Blackgate to talk to the maestro. Uh, because he found the music box in the last issue and thinks that the maestro might, mm-hmm. you know, have some insight given that that's his expertise. Uh so he comes here to you know to play this and you know he talks about black noise and how it's this uh this sound this harmonic sound that can be used to control people and convince people of things um to change whole societies is the phrase he uses specifically mm-hmm. so i think the idea of using frequencies to change people is going to be a part of this story anyway yeah. again the idea that this is an opera where we're using music and sound as one of the themes on top of all the sort of very theatrical outfits and characters that are yeah being introduced cool. and it plays into that metal too because that's eventually how they overcame it right it was it was the vibrational frequencies of the dnc chords you know that were repeated that's, that's, um, i've forgotten that but yeah you're yeah right. no I, that, that was a silly theme that i remember so just the fact too that music ties back to the whole multiverse and the you know the beginnings of all of this, I think is a really cool uh, way to tell the story. Yeah, and then it's when Batman's on his way back that he, you know, succumbs to pain and mm-hmm. sort of like you know crouches down and we see Barbato sort of you know monologuing mm-hmm. above him, um, sort of yeah. So yeah, so, like uh, the music. I was going to say this last part that he says here. Soon the music will end and their lingering will be the yawning knell of my name. So, yeah. Really cool looking pages. This is where Albuquerque shines the most probably is uh, drawing Barbados. For sure. One, what I want to bring up too, this is all very operatic as well, right? It's, it's, he's doing this big, huge solo, if you will, um, you know, to, to kind of press the story forward in just like you said the way that it's drawn the the framing of everything uh you know the red background on the blue background it just makes him pop and he looks so scary like this is the most monstrous i think i've seen barbados look so or barbatos trying to say it right uh after the last time yeah barbatos but yeah as you pointed out there's a bat in the middle there so really trying to focus on that part um so yeah so yeah very big kind of uh theatrical operatic pages uh operatic is that even a word <laughs> um, operatic yeah so it sounds like a good word uh the ending of the issue is that um 
Two-Face, Harvey Dent, is confronted uh, with the guy who's been doing the bidding for the family mm-hmm. and is basically saying, oh, why? Because he bumps into him and Harvey says, sorry. And he's like, wait, you're not the man you once were. You, you start with an apology like a weakling. Uh, and he hits him and basically gives him something and, you know, intoxicates him with something. Uh, like a dust. It's a green mist. Yeah. Because he wants him to kind of be Two-Face again, effectively, but be Two-Face to do their bidding, to sort of be the face of like this underground movement, effectively. Uh, everything you know about Two-Face, though, is I don't think he's going to go for this. Well, it depends what this mist is doing to him, though, because yeah? it feels like it yeah. might be you know taking over him or making him yeah. subservient or what. I, I think what's sad about this is that it kind of makes you feel bad for him because it feels like mm-hmm. he did actually was trying to be good and turn over it's, this new leaf and he's being forced back into it now. Which always happens. Every time they heal Harvey, and this time it wasn't, they didn't heal him physically. It seems like whatever <sighs> they did, it was the emotional and mental level, right? It, it helped him put that Harvey Two-Face persona behind him. Um, and this seems to wake it back up, yeah. which is why I think is interesting here is, right, he ends up uh, on the ground um and he talks about how you know um ancient beings of wrath and rage that answer my call and how they're gonna you know he's gonna bend to their will or they'll kill him and then harvey passes out but then the two-faced voice starts coming back in and the narration Um, yeah it's it's almost like he was able to put that personality away and this has brought it back out but i mean Right, you know, I I don't know if like they just want him to cause chaos or are they actually right. going to try and control him? Uh, but I, I thought this final moment though, where he's handing the rain with a coin next to his hand as mm-hmm. as the two faced narration, you know, the, the the sort of the evil side of him's talking. Um, like I I, I thought it was a really effective ending because it started with like, you know, Bruce coming to talk to him and Harvey mm-hmm. being like, yeah, I'm not into this anymore. I'm doing better. And, it, you know, I, I thought Bruce saying, I'm glad you're feeling better, Harvey, as he leaves. It kind of felt like a genuine moment. So this ending where he's forced seemingly back into yeah. being some kind of villain like, against his will is kind of heartbreaking. It was, the, the choice was taken from him, which is two faces all the character about choice, right? Well, yeah. seemingly choice when he flips the coin. Uh, and that's what I love at the end, where he um, tells him to put him back in the, less the driver's cho- seat. Less choice and more chance, I would say. Yeah, let, yeah let's go with that. Um, but let him put him back in the driver's seat, uh, you know, or or let's flip for it. And like that line right there, the let's flip for it while it ends on the hand with the coin and the face side up. Not Notice it's not the, it's the Harvey side, not the two-face side, right? I look at it because uh, it's not scratched out. So, um, yeah, man, just storytelling being done in the art through there with the words. Yeah, it's it's a simple little perfect. thing on that that last panel as well. Is that because of the shadow of the hand, the coloring of that panel is kind of two faced mm-hmm. as well? Because on, yeah. on the right it's blue and the and it's black on the left. Yeah, uh, it's very intentionally kind of mimicking two faced. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's good stuff. Uh, the backup, uh, which is uh, Simon Spurrier and Danny on art. Uh, Gordon was looking for this, you know, runaway that this parent was was looking for, and. He finds like a machine in this like uh you know the, the kid in Arkham and this SWAT team came in and Gordon gets knocked out and he wakes up and all the SWAT team's been taken out. This kid seemingly has taken them all out. Uh and they're all lying in their underwear in the rain. Um and then Gordon goes to the, the cemetery to look at James Jr.'s 
grave because it's his it's the anniversary of his death and this kid shows up and starts talking to him and uh is confused because uh, wait, you're alive why is your name on that he's like, no that's not me that's my son you know yada yada um but there's, there's a bit of a mystery here because the machine that he found wasn't there when the authorities went to check it um it's you know someone's covering something up here he goes to bullock who's a pi now uh and starts asking him questions about what's going on um so yeah it's interesting uh the end of this backup is that the corrupt cop who gave gordon this intel last issue uh shows up with a teenager um who he's he probably just had in a cell this whole time to be honest you know um you know and yeah, just, to, just in case I was confusing there, the, the kid that uh, Gordon's talking to that he meets in Arkham is not the missing kid. There's some random, uh, like, long-haired kid. Uh, this uh, this son who's returned to his mother at the end of the issue is the one that was he was looking for. And this corrupt cop, though, he, like, puts a padlock on their door and then puts a notice on, like, the, the building saying notice of demolition. So... I think he's trapped them in there so they'll be wiped out when uh, demolition happens. Although, I do suspect, like, are the demolition crew in this? Because I feel like they would notice someone banging on the door and screaming for help <laughs> when they try and, like, <laughs> take it down. Uh, but it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger because of that. I will admit, I did struggle at the start of this backup because I couldn't for the life of me remember what the last story was. And it just kind of came back to me a little bit as I was reading it. Uh, but... Uh, no, the, the the voice for Gordon and kind of the the seedy mood that it's got is quite interesting, um, and I'm a little intrigued by the mystery, but uh, we'll see. I, I got I got half into this and I said I would go back and I forgot, mm. so I just had to skim it. Um, but it was the voice I feel was better in the first half as he finds that kid down at the bottom of Arkham and it's super creepy. It did fit there better than it did at the beginning, but I got to Bullock's uh, private eye office. And I was like, oh, I'll come back to this. And then as you started talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't finish this. So, yeah. yeah. But you sound like we're still on the same page. It feels off. Um, art looks great, though. It's very moody. Like, yeah. I like Danny's art here. Yeah, no, that art's good. All right, what are you giving Detective Comics 1063? I'm giving it an 8.5. Ah. Uh... I think one illustrate eight. I am really enjoying it. It's just you know I'm just kind of I'm getting submerged in the world and kind of the what, what Ramvi's building. Um, but it's just that sort of thing where it didn't blow me away immediately in the in the first issue. But I, I feel like it's doing a good job building up, and I think I'm going to care more and more about it as it as it plants more of its seeds and I get to know the vill- these villains a bit more and like what it's doing with Batman. I feel like right now the Barbato stuff feels quite just out there. You know, because we don't have contextualization for it yet, really. Yeah. Uh, so, but no, uh, eight out of ten for me. All right, cool. Action Comics one thousand forty six. Philip K. Johnson writing with Fico Ozio on the art. So this is not the final issue of the War World Saga. There's a one shot coming that's going to be the the big send off for it. But yeah. this is the final issue in action of it. Yeah. Uh, before we start the crossover with you know Kalel coming back to Earth, so um, it is a pretty decent issue. I, I think what maybe hurts a couple of these later issues in this run is just that mm-hmm. because they they're more action focused, they, they don't have quite the same you know thoughtfulness that a lot of yeah. the better issues do. 
this one's very puts the action in action comics. Yeah. And I'm I'm not mad at it for that. However, why I love this run was the whole inspiration of Superman, which is cool because we get to look at him from different perspectives in War World, and that's what really drives that home. Here we are straight up following Kal El as, as he looks for the you know the fire of I always forget the dude's Algren. name. Algren. There you go. Yeah, um, no. I which mean, again, this it, is like Philip Kennedy Johnson doing space fantasy, and I'll never be mad at that. So uh, yeah, and so, cool. there's some good stuff in the action. He he opens up the the mouth of like a worm with all these big spiky mm-hmm. teeth at one point, and that looks quite cool. Uh, but he's getting to the, you know, where this uh, fire of old run is, and he meets this kind of, like, spirit, effectively, who, uh, you know, asks him a riddle if, if he can get a chance to go meet, like, what's left of old run, mm-hmm. and old run, like, goes to fight him, uh, but it turns out this big, like, avatar of old run is really just being controlled by the, the spirit, but yeah. Superman at one point, because he doesn't know that yet, like, dives to save the spirit and push her out the way of the the big warrior mm-hmm. and that kind of is what convinces her that he's he's worthy of the fire of Olgrun. um yeah. because she says she, you know like you know you would give your life for an unliving child and he just smiles and says you don't seem that unliving to me so that's kind of the you know the inspiration and that that's what this run is best that, at so that's yeah the, so he comes in and she gives him the riddle which i i love all that stuff and he has to figure out and it's, you know, is, is, you know, a father had, you know, given out four gifts and he has to guess the gifts. And it's, it's kind of like a riddle of the Sphinx where it's also, it shows the nature of man, you know, so Superman figures it out and then he has to fight this gigantic Olgren like statue, if you will, um, which was all very fun. And <clears throat> yeah, when it, you know, this little girl spirit, you know, he goes to save her and, you know, cause as, as he comes up, She's like, well, this is impossible. You're you're a warrior with with no bodies on your soul. You know, you are actually an unblooded sword. There's no way you're going to get through here. As in, he's not killed anyone because he's right. He hasn't killed anybody, and that you know, other more powerful warriors have come through here, and they they weren't able to. And it just shows that you know, it's because Superman's not looking to harm, right? And that's what makes him worthy of the fire of Olgren. Is you know, he's the type of pure soul. That'll be able to wield it, you know, because even saving this this avatar at the end of this little girl who's Olgren's daughter, that's what she represents. That's what the fire was. And again, that's also very much in why Superman's doing all of this. It's like he's not going to use the fire to to take over Warworld. He's using it to free everybody. You know, he's using it for other people. And I just I really loved how that all was was driven home through the super actiony Indiana Jones-esque parts story so yeah yeah obviously the big thing at the end though is he comes back out with the fire of Olgrun and uh what's his name uh curl ux who is the the one that's been you know, mainly been working with him the old one who's mm-hmm. been teaching him the ways of the philosians he has betrayed him he's made some kind of deal with mongol and mm-hmm. mongol's got his giant sword and he's threatened the uh, the kid philosians and says give me the, the fire of Olgrun or i'll kill these mm-hmm. little Oops. Buggers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a, it's a decent cliffhanger getting into the big final issue. Um, the idea that Mongo just wants to take it off him after Superman's the one who's went and got retrieved it and, you know, proven himself worthy is quite interesting. Can Superman even just pass it on as simply as that? Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, no, and, you know, I feel like it's going to be a thing that this is him being in possession of the fire is going to be able to make him 
more Superman, right? It's going to put his powers kind of I back. feel like it's going to cure whatever, you know, was draining them yeah. in the first place, yeah. Right, and so, um, but but also, you know, Krillix, it was like, you should have let me die when they were fighting the worm. And it was just, and Superman's like, no, I'm not going to do that because if I don't make it back, the Philosians trust you. So we want to, you know, I need to ensure that someone's going to make it back to keep this going. Yeah, so there was always, there was something going on with Krillix there at the beginning. And then at the end, when it's revealed that he, you know, flipped over for Darkseid for whatever reason, Darkseid, for Mongol, for whatever reason, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. But yeah, I, I do feel like this fire is what, you know, is going to even the odds for Superman to eventually free War World. Because we know it's coming. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we're building up to. Yeah, um, no, really good. Pico Osea's art, I really like. Like, the action stuff uh, was was I think drawn really well. I never got lost in any of it. Like it all read, you know, uh, as it should, very sequentially. Um, and I, I like his Superman. Superman feels very old school, kind of Superman, where he's not like, like yeah, he has rippling muscles, but he's not super jacked. He has just a, a strong man presence, which is cool. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. I like the issue. I like kind of the the final beats of how he gets the fire and the cliffhanger is cool mm-hmm. uh but it has a lot of action and it's not necessarily what i think the strength of this mm-hmm. run is though so it's not like a standout of the run for me it's you know it's a it's it's a necessary part to get to the next next point effectively mm-hmm. um but well with some good moments you know sprinkled in throughout um i do wonder how well it's going to read when it's all just done and you can just read it in one succession because um i, I think it's issues like this where it's mostly just action that I feel suffer the most from the month wait because it doesn't mm-hmm. feel there's a lot of it doesn't feel there's a lot of meat in it. Feels it's all just a yeah. bit of flashiness. Um. So, uh, but no, uh, good all the same. I do like the final page quite a bit. Obviously, I wish the art was more yeah. consistent, and we just had the the main artist the whole time. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, at this point, that's 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 long gone. Uh, hopefully, uh, the final one shot is um, what's his face? Um, um, I know who you're talking about the, the artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The names escape me, but you know who I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then the backup, which is also, of course, by uh, Johnson. Uh, you've got Conduit having stolen the the, the fragment. Genesis. Yeah, the Genesis fragment. Uh, the Super Family show up and basically take care of them. Uh, you know, bit of action, whip bang. John shows up, and what's interesting here? There's two points here that are very interesting. So when he gets into trouble and realizes that he can't win this fight with, you know, five mm-hmm. members of the Superman family, he calls Amanda Waller and says he needs help. And Waller says, my team on your Earth doesn't have the firepower to take a group like that. And I'm like, what do you mean you're... All of a sudden, mm-hmm. what's this? This is a Waller from another Earth who's sent Conduit in? Yeah, that might have been a a typo. You think? Maybe. Well, I don't know, because, like, then, you know, like, after they take him down and he tries to supercharge himself with the fragment, which destroys the fragment, uh, when Steel has to, like, you know, smash it off of him, um, he says, just as he's, like, going down, um, he's awake now, he sees us, he's coming. So, I'm actually wondering if they're setting up a big story for, uh, after War World Saga. Yeah, well, I, I took that as, as it's the darkness is coming. But from Dark Crisis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think. Uh, because he saw he saw the whatever was coming, 
because the the kryptonite and whatever in his system with the Genesis, I felt that that sent him. Because that's the only thing I think that could make sense. Because what else could it like? What else would they be setting up? I don't know. What story the, here? The next story, whatever the next story is, it could be anything. Yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't know about that. I, I, just I, like... I did not get Dark Crisis tease or like tie in to that line at all. I, nothing mm. about that felt Dark Crisis to me. I don't know. That, well, that, I hope that, I hope you're more right because that felt wedged in here. Th- this so. feels more like what Johnson setting up his own plot for later to me. This did not feel like a Dark Crisis thing. Um, well, I mean, I hope. Uh, the, I, I, the, as the as the Amanda Waller thing saying, I don't have a team on your earth to deal yeah. with this. That feels like a setup to me. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the um the other thing here that they got me too is the you know the whole firepower because it's it's all of these supers. Um, which I really like that, that even Waller knows when there's, you know, five of them in one spot, you know, that that's a whole lot for her to deal with. Um, and that also, you know, conduit using that whole anti alien rhetoric and Supergirl pointing out that, you know, Keenan and, and steel are as human as they get. They just have super, you know, they have Superman branding. Connor's, if you will. Connor's half human as well. Yeah. And Connor's half human, you know, uh, so is John. So just I, I like her pointing out how stupid he sounds. That's fun. And um, he had to destroy the steel, had to destroy the Genesis fragment, which kind of was kind of like a anticlimactic because he just is kind of like, oh, well, that's, you know, there Supergirl points out to him. Well, how are you going to save um, Fala now? Uh, and he's like, oh, well, you know, Superman won't give up on her. We won't either. And I was kind of like, oh, OK, well. This this whole idea was him using the Genesis fragment, Matt, and stop, now it's gone. Stop playing whatever Velcro thing you're Sorry. playing with. Sorry, didn't realize it was getting picked up. But yeah, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. It just kind of fell flat there, just because it was one of those things where oh, the only thing we need he destroyed. Well, hopefully Superman saves the day. You know. So. Yeah, it just says to be continued on the the yeah. one shot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought those two teases were interesting, although you're writing them both yeah. off as a typo and it's just Dark Crisis. I, I, I don't think either of those are true, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what comes from it. Uh, I, I hope I'm wrong. And one of the times you'll ever hear that. Luckily for you, you'll run a lot, so. <laughs> All right, what do you give an action comics? Uh, so I'm going to give the, the main story a 9. I'm going to give the backup a 7.5. So overall, I'll give this an 8. Yeah, I'd probably say main story an eight, back up like a seven. So I guess if I'm drawing the average, 7.5. <laughs> uh, but there you go. That's Action Comics. Robin, issue 17, Joshua Williamson writing with Roger Cruz on the art. And I kind of completely forgotten that this was going to be the last issue. Obviously, it is spinning out into the Mark Wade book, which obviously even yeah. is even a little tease at the end for that book. Yeah. Uh, and some of the stuff that the book's even doing in the main issue is setting up with a... Uh, with uh, Grandma Al Ghul, whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, Mother. Mother Soul. That's the one. Uh, yep. So, yeah, I mean, this is basically the, the kids are on the way back to the island because they know Lord Deathman's up to something. Yeah. Uh, we saw him kiss Mother Soul last issue. Turns out she's kind of just using him to, <laughs> to get the heart of the yeah, demon. She's, she's a Al Ghul. Of course she is. 
Yeah, you know? I, I did like it though because he kind of realizes that he's been had yeah. a little bit, and I thought yeah. she killed him, but she actually does give him what he wants, which is uh, yeah. some extra power. So he actually hulks out, and we get you know it's an excuse for a big fight scene where all the kids yeah. fighting halt out uh, Lord Deathman. I do, I do love that he's maniacally laughing because he loves the fact that he's a big Hulk monster. Yeah. That did make me laugh a little bit. Yeah, this is the fun stuff that I love that Williamson does, and his dialogue for Lord Deathman too is just so over the top. Uh, and then when you add the maniacal laughter, yeah, it is so, so he's, funny. He's he's swiping his big claws because he's sort of like Hulk and demonically yep. uh, and whatever. Uh, but then he starts glowing green with presumably Lazarus energy mm-hmm. and he just starts laughing and says, oh baby, we're cooking with gas now as he smiles. And I'm like, I love how much he loves being a supervillain. Yep. yep. That that was the line that now we're cooking with gas as he's, because all he wants to do is be able to defeat the Batman in Japan, right? That's what he's doing. Or is it all Batman? Um, he wants enough power. Uh, but yeah. And I also love the stuff that um, Flatline, you know, saying that she wasn't a damp soul. She was in, you know, in control the whole time. And she wants Robin to come and, you know, help her there in Japan. Um, I, I loved all of that stuff. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because it kind of, you know, ends, obviously the fight ends with uh, Robin pulling out Lord Deathman's heart. But he's on Lazarus Island, though, so he's going to be fine. Well, it's a, and he has resurrection powers. Yeah, so, so he, he has, he, yeah, that's true. He was double okay. Yeah, so he'll, he'll be fine. Uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, Flatline's going back to deal with stuff in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, Connor Hawk's going to find Oliver, they have, like, a fun day at the beach first, though, so we get, like, yep. a two-page layout of them just doing sandcastles and surfing and whatever else. Uh, so yeah. they have, they have their emotional goodbye, uh, for whatever it is, uh, and kind of admit their feelings a little touch. Uh, there is a moment, though, with, uh, one of these Deathstroke-looking kids, uh, <laughs> Bro, that, that's Respawn! I thought it was, you know, I thought it was respawn, but we also yeah. We, but didn't we kill him? We did, which is why this is a mystery. That did he yeah. resurrect back on Lazarus Island? Um, did did they bring him there? Yeah, maybe they did. Uh, uh, but yeah, so respawn's watching as the boat drives off, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that, that's kind of it. So we get a, I, my only critique of this really is it didn't really feel like a final issue until the last no. couple pages, which felt like a couple, you know, the last few pages felt like it was saying goodbye, right? Yeah. It, it does the whole end for now thing. You get this big two page spread of uh, Robin mm. saying that he's still figuring out who he is and in the clouds yep. behind him is, you know, the Bat family, John, his new like Titan, you know, age buddies. Yep. So it's like, okay, it's a nice kind of like send off for him. Uh, and then there's a one-page tease for uh, Batman versus Robin, which is the Mark Wade book, and yep. it did set up that uh, Mother Soul is trying to like you know do stuff for Neza and yep. and bring him back. So you know the, the, it's setting up what they're doing in that, and that ties I, into the the world's finest book as well. So that's cool. Yeah, so I, I do like just the fact that Razal Ghul translates to the demon's head. It could literally be any demon she's trying to resurrect. And it fits. So the fact that it's the devil Naza, uh, from the Wade book, I feel like I feel like that's cool. Yeah, and obviously it's been mentioned a couple of times in the Robin book. So obviously Wayne uh, mm-hmm. John, uh, Williamson have uh, you know yeah. done some collaboration there and made it made it all kind of fit. So that's nice. Um, it is a shame not to have this specifically, but mm-hmm. I'm always excited for more Wade. So yeah, to that. it, it, it kind of hurts. Go ahead. I'm just I'm less excited for the the replacement Robin book though, which That's, is the Tim Drake book. Yeah, it's a Tim Drake book, which I would be excited for. But it's a it's a writer. I'm who's the writer? Is it Fitzmartin? 
It's the writer who was doing the the Tim Drake shorts and yeah, dance make make Fitz, Fitz Martin, I think it is, and that's fine. But it's Riley Rosmo art, so um, yeah. yeah, I can't wait to hear about it through Connor and then make him read it. <laughs> uh, which but. he has been made to read. Uh, don't worry, I know Connor's missed a few episodes. He is aware that he has Patreon books to do, so I think he's going to record them separately, and I'll edit them into next week's episode. That's so cool. uh, don't worry, August's Patreon books from Connor are coming. Uh, uh, have no fear. So, yeah. So, what's nice about that is that we don't have to extend the recording when we're sitting here, do we? I, I, I just edit them in later. So, very nice. Uh, so yeah, I thought this was a, a, a nice issue of robin uh yeah. not not my favorite of the run and nothing spectacular but a decent send off for some of the characters and just a, a tease of where they're going now so you'd assume that the green arrow and connor hawk re- reunion will happen somewhere mm-hmm. uh you know there's no green arrow book right now so who knows no. but i'm i am feeling about this book like i did about the titans of the early 2000s where i really like all of these characters when they're together mm. so i i hope we do get something out of it because i like flatline and robin and Connor Hawk and uh, even like the the what was her name Black Swan the ballerina mm, yeah, yeah girl like uh, uh, Williamson's really good at creating these characters and I like seeing how they bounce off of I, you never know maybe he'll do a team book after he's done yeah. with uh, the event maybe, maybe he'll yeah you know, and I just something. like you know um, however it this book has really gone through that you know I was a huge Tim Drake fan of of Robin and I feel like he's the best Robin. And I don't know if I'm just being fickle, right? But I, after this run on the character, I'm really liking D- Damien for a lot of the choices that he's made and where he's at, and you know that he's really making a push. So yeah, uh, yeah. Damien's my second favorite. So yeah. yeah, so well, yeah. So no, it was good. The Roger Cruz art I really like. Uh, it when we got to the happy fun stuff, it 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 didn't have the same like. Not that feeling, because it felt like Roger Cruz. I don't know when it's just it, not it, action focused. It looked like it, it was inked and colored a little bit differently. Because it, it looked, yeah. it looked uh, flatter and simpler. Yeah, like you could tell it was him, but yeah, the art felt different. I don't know maybe he was going for a softer vibe because of of the different uh, actions going on. But yeah, mm. um, no, but it was it was fine. Like I, I do like his art. So, uh, but no, a whole this book's been a whole lot of fun. I'm sad to see it leave. Um, although we are getting weighed as a, in a slight continuance of whatever's going on, so that's a that's a bonus. But yeah, I'll be sad uh, that Williamson's uh, off of Robin now. Yeah. Uh, all right. What are you giving Robin issue seventeen? Uh, I mean, that's an eight. Yeah, I'm happy to give it the eight. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. That's uh Robin seventeen. All right. The Swamp Thing issue sixteen. Ram V writing with Mike Perkins on the art. The final issue and was become uh, one of the the best Swamp Thing runs, I think. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. pr- pr- you know, probably this and the Alan Moore runner, I think, uh, sitting on, on a on a bit of a pedestal for me at this point. I I need to go and read that because I've never read the Alan Moore stuff. Yeah, so. I I think the ideas this introduces just fits so well, and the, the it feels like a nice sort of like call back to the mood of that book at sometimes. What I like here is that this is Ram V has created his own stamp on Swamp Thing. And and I do like when writers are able to do that, right? Um, because this much very this very this feels very much like kind of its own thing. 
Um, and I hope other writers kind of pull from it in the future if he doesn't do anything else. Yeah, uh, so basically the, the the machines, the industry, you know, the, all this stuff. It's the all... Parliament of Gears. Well, no, yeah, it's the Parliament of Gears, but I'm thinking more the city that's built around them. Like, yeah, uh, okay. it's like you know, it's it's all lumped in this area in the desert. You've got the alien plants above, swamp things stuck in all the gears. That's kind of the cliffhanger we left off. And Trinity came in to kind of like say her piece. And the Wanderers, like, doesn't even want to hear what she's got to say, but the, the Gears themselves are like, no, we want to hear this. We want This is relevant to our interests. And uh, ultimately, the, the, the final story here becomes about this idea that she could either represent the repercussions and therefore the destruction of how she was created or be something that's, you know, created for joy, something that can actually do some good. And then it kind of extrapolates from there. And obviously we had the, the example of the old man being kind to her and that kind of mm-hmm. taught her some, some nice things. Um, and the humanity that she's gotten from, from Levi and the history of human beings and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, you know, Swamp Thing then kind of comes in and sort of continues this idea about how it's always been about choice. It's always like this choice. Like industry itself can be about greed. It can be about the capitalism or it can be about innovation. It can be about making things better. And you can choose to be that. That that could be the choice that you make as a as a parliament. As a parliament. Yeah, because the parliament represents. So uh, the avatars represent the idea, but the the parliament are the ones that make the choice of what they're going to represent. And you know, and I like that. I'd never thought about that before. Like you know, I always talk about how much I love the Charles Soule run because he did all these kind of Green Lantern esque parliaments, right? Where he had the fungus and the bacteria and the information and Right. And that was all cool as like character stuff. But it, it's Ram V that's taken them that these avatars are personification of ideas. And those ideas are shaped by the parliament who are making the choices. And that was something I had never thought before. So that they put it here. Um, and that the green, you know, when, when we've looked at the green and some of the choices they've made in the past. And it's led to... to oh, yeah. That, they're not always good choices. No. They're not always for the better of, of right. humans, then, certainly. So so when you look back and, and think about these, these Swamp Thing runs and each of the choices the Parliament would make, it works on that meta level, too. Right? And, and, you and, know, it just, and later on in the issue, you know, the, 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 the whatever part of the Parliament chose mm-hmm. Levi to be an avatar talks about mm-hmm. how, oh, no, like the innocence of him up in that tree swinging at the, the, mm-hmm. the edge of the forest and uh, like the idea that his heart was learning how to fly, and that's partly why they chose yeah. him because there was an innocence to him. Uh, right. So the idea that even the avatar, as well, is is this influence that if they pick the right one, will encourage them to make the right choice is kind of a, an interesting right. idea as well. But you get this yeah. two page layout where Swamp Thing's explaining some of this, and you get like both good and bad things that come from certain technologies. You get the explosions, mm-hmm. but you also get the medicine that comes from it. You get the right. you know the like the toxic waste, but then you also get the you know the the regrowth of things and you know, so weapons right. versus all this there's, there's good and bad things that can come from which, anything yeah which which we kind of were hitting on in the last issue when trinity was getting closer and what she represented from where she was born and how you know nuclear power can be this ultimately destructive force but it also you know paves the way for the future and that's that's some good storytelling there that that was seeded and then it pays off. Well, that's not the only right seed. Yeah. There's a seed way back at the start of the run that's brought up uh, here, right. uh, where the wanderer, you know, said something to uh-huh. the effect of, you know, what happens when two ideas clash? One consumes uh-huh. the other, 
And Swamp Thing corrects him here and says, no, when two ideas meet, there's a choice. It's not, uh, it's not that one consumes, there is a choice. Right. And ultimately, you know, they, they do convince the Parliament of Gears to make the choice. And it seems like Trinity becomes the new avatar of, mm-hmm. of the Parliament of Gears. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's also created by, uh, you know, a man-made thing. She's also this, this product right. of industry, military yeah. industry specifically. But Right, but at the same time, it, it's what, you know, she's a little bit more pure in that the Pale Wanderer was put together right he was a choice in of himself of of the corporation right he's oh not, yeah Tr- trinity's a natural byproduct of what right. was already happening she's a yeah. natural byproduct of the sand and decisions that were made and so she's a little bit more free to be what she wants and she's not going to try to exert her control over the parliament the way that the wanderer would and i and i like that dichotomy between the two yeah it, it kind of it's interesting to me because it kind of makes this wanderer the um uh uh, what what the character? What would you call it? Uh, Woodrow, right? So Woodrow is yeah. the swamp thing. What the wanderer right. now is to Trinity, and that he's right. this negative force and influence on the Parliament right. of Gears. Well, and you have that in the Arcanes as well, right? With Abby and Anton, right? Yeah. Well, they come from the rot, though, right? Like uh, Anton well, Arcane. But, yeah, but that's what I mean. But like, that's what I learned from the from the Scott Snyder swamp thing, right? Is like all, all three of those parliaments that we use in that book were trying to be in harmony with one another, right? You don't want one to get more powerful than the others. Oh, you know, I know, I know, I know where you're coming from, but I'm just saying yeah. this comparison, I don't think it fits because I'm saying that this is, they're both specific to industry in the same way that Woodrow is also messing with uh, the green. okay. And well, he's this negative influence on the green versus swamp thing. Like, so, right. so with the industry, it's the same thing here where Trinity is this positive, and we didn't know for sure she was going to be a positive force no. up until, you know, that was it was kind of leading that way, but this was kind of the final coming out party right. of that. But, also, you you don't think that Anton is is in that same negative force on the rot, wanting to use it to you know cause death and destruction versus renewal in the way that we saw Abby. Well, maybe he is, but like, what's the positive force yeah. of the rot then? Well, that that's that's the whole renewal, right? That's the whole circle of life that that you know we got to at the end of that Snyder run is that when Abby takes over. It's you know death's a natural part of life. And the rot is what, you know, seeds things back to the earth and it helps add to the balance. Oh, sure. But my point was, is that he's not that to swamp thing because he's, he's a part of a different parliament. He's, right, 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 right. he's a different force, you know, so. Right. Well, uh, that's why I said Abby and Anton. Um, I, I guess I kind of see it. I'll, yeah. I feel like, it, I don't know if it fits perfectly because obviously that no. was written before this and it didn't have that idea in mind right. when well, it was, you know, and, coming together. And when you think back to the future state stuff where, where we see that there's, there's these other swamp things in the future and that they, they seem to represent different aspects of swamp things that we've met. And one of them is very Woodrow esque. And, uh, you know, so mm. that that's been there since Ram V's, you know, that's been at the forefront of his mind since, and even him showing up in justice league dark in that way. Too. I, I do think that's a conscious choice that he's looked, he's mm-hmm. looked at this relationship that swamp thing and Woodrow yeah. have always had in mm-hmm. Swamp Thing stories and kind of like built this dichotomy into industry as well, uh, which right. just makes it feel fuller. It makes it feel more real. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great page uh, when, when you know, the Wanderer is basically refusing to give up power where Swamp Thing tackles them and it's like they're falling out the sky into the into this industrious city. So it's all this like yellow city from a distance, you know, they're falling into. Right. It, it looks like a sort of like bird's eye shot that they're falling down into with these like vertical panels. And it just looks like 
a massive industry without any like signifiers of anything specific. So just right. you know, it, it has that feeling of just a it, massive part. Industry for the sake of industry instead yeah. of for a cause, you know. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so Swamp Thing like you know grows this, and he's you know the Wanderer says I'll be back, I'll always come back because mm-hmm. there'll always be greed, there'll always be corruption, and and more <sighs> reasons to exist. And he's right, and Swamp Thing yeah. says, well, yeah, but you know every time there's a chance for a better choice, like the the choice will mm-hmm. always be there, and we have to hope and convince the people to make the right one. So there's a lot of really inspirational ideas and a lot of good themes just kind of baked in here. Uh, yep, and this is where I was like, I would like. Ram V to stop being so good at what he does, <laughs> please. Because this, I thought about this book. I read it on Thursday, and I keep coming back to certain things of it. And I can't say as much as I love comic books, as much as I love Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, action comics, because of Superman, just this whole thing of like, yeah, yeah, you'll come back, but that that's another battle we have to win, you know. And there's just this, there's hopefulness in in that. Uh, and it just, it really lands. And it's, you know, the way that this begins too, with that little city of Destino, just the idea that's the Spanish word for destiny. And that's, you know, about choice as well. It's just, it's baked into every part of this book. Yeah. Um, and then obviously once this tree grows, you get this great full page spread of the tree towering above the, you know, the, the industrial city that has moss like over a lot of it now. There's it's coexisting. There's trees mixed in with the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of how you have to have to look at it. You know, the, the book's never trying to say that we don't need some form of industry. We don't need technology because, no. of course, we do. But it's there's this right. peaceful it, coexistence. It's that, right. It's about that balance. And then again, that, that's what I like about these characters is, you know, you can't have the good without the bad. So let's try to work as best as we can. And when that gets thrown out of balance, that's where we get the <clears> conflict, and that's where we get really good swamping stories. Yeah, and that's when the narration from someone in the parliament of, you know, trees seems to take mm-hmm. over uh, and talks about the industry making their choice to be what it is now, um, mm-hmm. that Trinity's now their avatar, and the choice to make Le- Levi a, a, an avatar. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he takes Jen out there to, to where he used to swing as a kid and the, the roots that, he, that his father made him touch. And there's this great moment where, you know, his father said, what do you see or what do you feel when you, you touch those roots? And um, Jen asks him the same questions now, and he just smiles. There's a great panel where he just he smiles, and then the next page is this full page. It could be a poster of Swamp Thing just holding his arms up with the sun in the background, surrounded by trees. And mm-hmm. it's like this very kind of, you know, uh, peaceful, like serene, idyllic kind of moment where he's, you know, he's one with nature now. Um, so... That's right, and that's when uh, you know the wanderer shows up again to be like, "Hey, you know, you think you've won, but I'll be back." And he's like, "Yeah, maybe you're right, uh, but there'll always be a choice, uh, and as long as there's a choice, there's always a better one, and that's all we can hope for." So it just ends with him walking into the forest uh, after he says that. It's a beautiful ending. It kind of sums up a lot of the themes that it's been that it's been playing with this whole time. I think the ideas of the Parliament of Gears and the industry, I think, really captivated me. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is, you know, this is some, this is shot into. I mean, I'd have to really stop and think about it. I'm sure one day we'll do a list, but this is mm-hmm. probably something like in my top twenty DC runs. Uh, oh, easily. Yeah, I don't want to say top yeah. ten because you know there's a lot no. of good runs, but <laughs> top yeah, yeah, twenty yeah. for no, sure. This, this is up there just because, and it's a full story. 
right? I'm so yeah. glad we got these last six to really pull everything together because we really enjoyed the first ten. Yeah, um, I, I've said this a few times. I really enjoyed the first ten and found a lot to love in them. There's a lot. Of, there's a few really yeah. standout issues in there, but these last six brought it all together. Like, like yep. it's a sort of, sort of thing we would never have known. But once we got to like issue twelve or thirteen, the one that really went, you know let into the industry stuff, I was like, oh god! Like imagining this run without this part of it now it sounds depressing because right. this is... it, it it really takes it up to a next level because it, the story really comes on its own. Where the first ten are a fine story about Swamp Thing and him fighting, you know, you know the whole struggle with him and his brother versus the I always forget the name of the company, but um, is it Pilgrim? It was, but I was going to say yeah. Will and Jutani as a joke, but yeah, sure, it's Pilgrim. Yes, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> with Pilgrim and what that represents, but yeah, here with when we get the 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 guy that was running Pilgrim, you know, fusing with the the, the Pale Wanderer, and that being a representation of greed, and now he's going to use that for the Parliament of Gears, and then we get Trinity, which I remember the first time we got that, I was like, where is this going? Like, what what is what's this represent? Uh, and looking up Trinitite. And finding out that it's a real, real thing, you know, like, and people tried to make money off of it and it made people sick. And how does this fit in with the story? <laughs> just each issue has peeled back an even bigger layer until we get to this really hopeful ending, which it seemed like at the beginning we were so far away from that. It seemed like everything was was bad. And what is do we even need Swamp Thing like in, in the sense of the the world in the book? to well no here's here's a guy that looked through and where he's at at peace with his place in the world yeah and it's just man it's just it's super hopeful and i feel like we need more of that no i i, I think it it took the character and did things that felt like and it felt ingrained into what swamp things always been but did a lot of new things with it as well and there were new things that kind of really stole my imagination so i uh I loved it. Uh, it was a fantastic mm-hmm. run. This this final issue uh, capped it off perfectly, and I really have very little negative to say about it. Uh, so I I have one thing, and that, that that it's over, and now I don't have anything to look forward to. Ah, uh, but it has to. That's the thing. If if it just kept going, it would eventually dwindle because the, the the point True. of what it was would fade. Like much like a good TV show, you have to end. You have to end the story. Uh, no, and and I agree. And I say it mostly as a joke because. But Swamp Thing became one of those books where I was, like, eagerly waiting for it, you know? And I would sit down and make sure I have time. Like, I don't want to be interrupted while I'm reading it. Oh, yeah. You know? And it was just, it was a whole thing. And it's been a while since I've had a book like that. So, uh, and I'm, I'm very thankful for Ram V and Mike Perkins. And also, how somehow Perkins got even better with each issue. Yeah, it was, just... it was kind of like this weird rise of Tour de Force where he started off yeah. really good and perfect, a perfect fit for yeah. material, but then as time went on, it's like he was just getting better and better, all these little mm-hmm. things, with, the, with the, the faces, especially in their expressions and just how moody or sinister some of it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kept uh, building. And so. then we always say that Perkins works best with the shadows, but towards the end of this, man, he's playing with light. Like, we're talking some of the Green Lantern stuff. And at the end of this book, with that, that page that you brought up with the swamp thing standing in the sun, yeah. there's like no shadows. And it looks even better. And it, so just him constantly changing things up and keeping us on our toes via the art is super, super good. Yeah, perfect match for the material. Uh, mm-hmm. Couldn't have asked for a better pair, really. So 
Uh, I guess for the final ten, I'll ask, what are you giving Swamp Thing? Uh, I'm giving this one a ten. Yeah, I'm going to go 9.5, uh, and that's just because it's not my favourite issue of the run. There's one or two issues that I gave a 10 to, and I'm letting them stay the peak of the, the book, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm going to give it a 9.5. Uh, fantastic run, though. Uh, couldn't recommend it more, to be honest, especially if you like Swamp Thing as a concept. So, uh, the Swamp Thing issue 16 brings an end to this fantastic series. Task Force Z, issue 11, Matthew Rosenberg writing with Eddie Barrows on the art. Now, I, I was a bit tight on time this week, so I didn't quite yeah. get to it. Um, I should hopefully read it before the next issue, because 12 is the last issue, so I really should <laughs> be there for the final one. Yeah. Uh, but you can fill us in and uh, what's going on. Um, Basically, Bloom's been orchestrating this whole thing from the beginning through Powers International. Well, that doesn't surprise me. It seems to have been no. hitting that for a while, but yeah, go on. Yeah, and that... You know, he he saw an opportunity to to you know be in control of life, and I'm still not sure, and I don't know if we'll ever get the full answers um, there. But um, at the beginning, it goes to you know Dent coming into Jason and offering him this, and that just you know basically you know you don't have to do this, Jason, but. The world will be a lot better if you're in control of the monsters if you're not. Um, and so that's where he ends up making the decision. But it smash cuts to that, to to Jason being upset with Dent about lying about Bane. And he was kind of like, well, you know, we had to because we had to give you a carrot, right? Because we, we knew this was the guy, that, but we couldn't actually put the real guy because we couldn't trust you because you did exactly what we thought you would. And that was throw him off a building. Um, so... I'm still not clear on the whole Gotham, why they chose to use him for Bane when they're they're swapping memories and you know now you have this flying Bane going around. But the Lazarus resident starting to give Gotham his memories back, and so uh, his sister uh, smashes into the Powers International headquarters, um, and they embrace, and she's super happy. He's confused because he has Bane's memories and Gotham's memories. Um, and then Bloom shows up and you look like there's going to be a, a, a fight with him and Gotham girl, but no, she hugs him for giving her brother back. Um, and uh, Jason is, is fighting the, the rest of uh, them. Um, Power sends the, like the OG squad plus Deadshot and Copperhead. So you got um, Man Bat and Arkham Knight in there. Uh, he, dispenses through them, um, gets through, um, realizes that he doesn't have to take it easy on Astrid because she's, uh, Astrid Arkham, she's reverted back to the point where she's a complete zombie. So um, he, you know, tells says that it makes it easier. A lot of fun action pages by Barrows here. Um, he does a fun art thing on this page where he fights uh, Astrid Arkham where you have stuff going on in the background and then the foreground. Um, and it just makes the fight seem that much epic, even though it's him using this crowbar against an Arkham Knight, which is when you think about it, super silly, but Barrows makes it look great. Um, Deadshot makes an explosion. It sends um, Jason into to Arkham or to Arkham into to Gotham. Um, it looks like Jason's, you know, got his hands full and then, uh, Gotham Girl shows up, completely messes him up, 
It cuts over to Bloom, who has that Dr. Archeron um, head in a jar. And um, the lady that runs Powers comes in and is completely, you know, like horrified at everything that's going on. He goes, oh, yeah, you think that's bad? He hasn't stopped screaming since I put him in there. Um, so, again, at Rosenberg, a lot of fun with, with Bloom. Um, and in the tunnels under Gotham, Dent's leading the other half of the new team. So you have um, the Lady Scarecrow. I always forget her name. Uh, KGB, Grundy, and Zaz with him. And as they're trying to get under powers to kind of be the Calvary for Jason, um, this this arm, like, like robotic arm, comes out and takes out uh, KG Beast, uh, takes the head off of the Lady Scarecrow, and it's Bloom in the rookie Batman armor. And like the Bat Bunny. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, he tells Harvey hello, which I can't not read in Heath Ledger's Joker voice from when he goes to visit Harvey in the hospital. I just one of those things. Um, but uh, KG Beast wants to know why he's dressed as Robot Batman. Uh, Grundy doesn't even hesitate. And he says Smash Batman. Um, and uh, he he ends up taking out. This is where where Bloom takes out uh, KG Beast and um, just wrecks Grundy. And he tells him, you know, I'm hope I was hoping not to kill you. I want to study you. You know, but I might have messed that up uh, as he smashed Grundy into the ceiling of the caves underneath and he's just hanging there. Um, and then Bloom gets a hold of Harvey and it cuts back to to um, Harvey's all tied up and it looks like Jason's standing over him all zombified. And so it looks like they finally mm. killed Jason Todd again. Uh, but then Harvey looks over and it's the head of security from Powers that they put in Red Hood stuff and they're putting his memories into him. So now they'll be fully able to control Red Hood um, in that Bloom created the Lazarus resin. Uh, and so this was all just a ploy for him to be the sole controller of it through through Powers. Um, but Jason says he's like, well, you really think I didn't do this without Batman knowing everything going on? He's on his way with the Justice League, and they should be here any minute. And um, the briefcase that that they're holding, or, or not the briefcase, um, Bloom has the Lazarus resin, and uh, as as he's trying to make a getaway, uh, Jason's suit explodes and causes a big explosion, and that's where it ends is that powers international is exploding with everybody inside. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine. Cause there's that much Lazarus resin in that suitcase that bloom had, but yeah, man, this is, this ride just keeps getting wilder. And, uh, from something that started off as a, a dead, uh, suicide squad kind of vibe has just completely turned into kind of like a love letter to a certain era of Batman comics, which I think is really cool. Um, I was never expecting to see Bloom in the robot bunny suit, the, the Batman suit. Um, and yeah, and yet here we are. So uh, it's also doing stuff with, with Gotham and Gotham Girl, which I was not expecting any time this going through. But yeah, my big problem is the story just keeps getting murkier. 
and there's just things that are happening and i almost feel like this was almost supposed to be 18 issues and they've smashed it all into to 12 because there's a lot of story here towards the back um yeah i'm still still trying to figure out what's going on with bloom they still haven't really explained him i don't know if we ever will get that explanation but just that at the end of the day he created the lazarus resin for powers international and that's been the key to all this uh, and now he wants his creation back so um but yeah I, I really thought we got to the point where we killed jason todd again you know and we can dream he's run yeah he was running around with the lazarus but no they they just put a dead security the head of security in his in his suit which he ended up getting blown up so but yeah um the barrels are really good it's really grotesque where it needs to be the action scenes are are real good in fact you kind of get lost with the words more than you get lost with the art, which is, I think, you know, says a lot about Barrows as an artist. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give this overall. I'll give this issue a seven. Okay. Uh, all I'll say is it's, you listed a lot of character names when you were talking about that. There was a, a yeah. lot of people mentioned. A lot of people show back. So if, but you're only, are you only an issue behind? Only yeah, this yeah, one? yeah. I read that should yeah. So yeah. So you know all of the ones that are involved. The only new ones that show up is Gotham Girl. Um, and Gotham, but you knew from the last one. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is a lot of a lot of characters, and I'm almost feeling like, is this gonna play into whatever happens to Harvey here? Is that what leads into where we saw him in Detective with the mask, and or is that just a Ram B special that he was like, hey, I want to play with a you know a reformed uh, Two Face, but I do feel mm -hmm. like here him strapped to a Gertie here at the end might have some, you know. There might be some things that come out of it. Yeah, it might be a little link up. Because mm -hmm. I don't know if this was always planned as a 12 issue, but I think it originally was an ongoing, and at some point they decided yeah. it was only 12, so maybe it was meant to be more, and they had to condense yeah. the story down. because it just feels like there's a lot of story they're shoveling in here towards the end, where early on it felt like it was taking its time, and now it's just like, oh, here's 14 characters, here's this, and yeah, so. Yeah, okay, okay. Um. All right. Tales from the Human Target, Issue 1, Tom King writing with Mikel Yannin, Kevin Maguire, Raphael Albuquerque, and a little bit of art by Greg Smallwood. Uh, mm -hmm. He does kind of a wraparound style yeah. thing. Um, so I always expected an anthology with like three different stories spaced mm -hmm. out. Instead, all three of them are mixed up, and you get kind of them all playing out. So it's, it's bouncing around the three of them as you go through the book. So the art's constantly changing, but it's obviously kind of there to help you tell which story you're in if it's not obvious from the characters or or whatever um so and just to kind of skip to the end a little bit the conceit of this story is that this is ace talking to three different characters mm -hmm. and getting basically f finding out what they know about christopher chance before she talked to him for the first time so this is settled the night before mm -hmm. well at least one of the conversations is the hey, last yeah. one, the last one uh is set the night before uh, she met him in issue two or three, whatever that issue was. So, very interesting. Um, and the, the the small snippets we get of these scenes are the the, the small wood art, and then yeah. we get so so one's a a, a guy gardener story, yeah. uh, and that that art is by uh, is that the Janin? Uh, I think, well, the Booster Gold's definitely McGuire, yeah, uh, for sure. McGuire. Um, um, and then Albuquerque uh, is the the no uh, so Albuquerque's the gardener. Yeah, that's and what I say. I the thought... fire is Janin. Yeah, 
And those are the three here, which I do like how they split that up. I wasn't expecting that with the story to go to, to weave in and out of certain characters. Um, and I, and I do feel it was, it was put together extremely well. Yeah. And what's funny about it is that, you know, each story has someone who seemingly is either going to be killed or is killed. And it's not really that much of a twist to guess early on. In all three cases, they're going to turn out to be human target. They're they're all going to turn out to be him. Um, and it's kind of this interesting way to play with it where, so the, the, the brother blood guy Gardner story is that this, yep. that this rich guy got celebrity, uh, like son of a celebrity type. Yeah. He, he's, yeah. In, he's in an accident and he ends up in the brother blood call and guy Gardner takes, you know, offense to that and all his actions. So he goes to beat him up and try to convince him that he's not in the call. But it turns out, of course, eventually that it's Christopher Chance. He's like, look, I'm taking the job to infiltrate Brother Blood's cult so that I can get to him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's okay, so that's one way you do it, and that's good. That's maybe more the comical one, because just, well, mm-hmm. two of them are comical, because Booster Gold's pretty funny too. Yeah. Uh, but you've got that, and then the Booster Gold one is that this writer, this author, has got a bounty in his head, so people keep trying to kill him. So Booster Gold decides to take it upon himself to protect him and be his bodyguard, which is actually messing things up, because the whole point is, is that Christopher Chance is pretending to be this guy and wants to be killed publicly so that whoever's put out the bounty will think he's dead and the writer can live in secret for the rest of his life. That's what he wants. So let me just say the number of times I laughed out loud in this booster story. Oh, I'm sure. Oh my goodness. Like King, I would just love for King to do a comical booster story. And I don't know who you get to do art McGuire or whoever, <laughs> but man, this, some of that one. So, so you've got that. I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing before we talk about them. Yeah. And that. And then the other one, which is the fire story, is that fire. This is when her modeling days. Her photographer, who she was kind of close to but didn't know too much about, got shot and died. And she stayed with him all the way to the hospital. Uh, then he died. I mean, because he didn't die right away. He he died in the hospital there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she stuck with the body. She stayed with them uh, for the funeral and for, and it's not even a proper funeral because there's no family members, but it's just like he's being cremated. And she stays with them the entire way, make sure he gets a coffin. And the whole point is, is that Chance was waiting to be alone so he could like swap out his disguise and continue his investigation mm-hmm. and find out who was killing the dude or whatever. And she was being so nice and sweet and so empathetic that it actually stopped him from doing his job. So, there's the, so that's the one that's kind of a less funny, but more of a sweet yeah. vibe to it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the three stories that are being told uh, throughout these. But they're, 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 you know, it's like a 45-page book, uh, mm-hmm. and we're bouncing around all these stories. Obviously, all the art is very good, but it's different between yep. each story. Uh, how, what did you feel about this one? What did you make of it? I know that this is, uh, again, high, one of the highlights of my week. Because, again, I was expecting, like, anthology style. So thought we were going to a booster story with McGuire but it would all be told in one. The fact that it weaved in and out and they all hit their emotional, you know, crux at the same time, just, it's really picture perfect storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I got a lot of, because even before we got the reveal, this idea that this writer didn't want Booster around, uh, and, you know, Booster kept showing up and he keeps, keeps saying things that are factually incorrect. Like, you know, I I wrote my own uh, my memoir yeah. and Skeets is like no you didn't I wrote it it's like yeah I, but I, I dictated it no you didn't you said write stuff about everything and went to yeah. go get a bagel yeah <laughs> well you know and, and is a bagel a sandwich is 
that's still going from the booster gold issue. Yeah. Um, once I put together that the writer, so the writer is there's a like a hundred million dollar bounty on his head because he wrote an expose about Ra's al Ghul. Uh, and so there's constantly his life is gonna be, you know, all these assassins coming out of the woodwork to collect on him. And the idea that Booster thinks for a second that he could be one of the people to collect, because he can do a lot of stuff with $100 million. I That just was so funny to me. Uh, and then the Booster keeping him from, from like, oh, I found a bomb in your car. I, I disabled it. You're, you're okay. Uh, and just the expression. So Maguire's really good at expressions. Yeah, I, so I, think, I, I think you the get strengths. I think you get from hindsight as well when you realize mm-hmm. that this is Chance and he wants to have a public death to get, yeah. give this guy freedom. Is that he was probably putting the bombs there himself? Yeah, yeah. And just the look of exasperation on the writer's face, just, it cracked me up. Almost like this guy had a death wish before you put it together that it is Christopher Chance. You're almost like, well, does he have a death wish? Maybe. Maybe that's why he wrote the book, you know? Um, and then, of course, you know, a couple pages later, you realize it's Christopher Chance and he's, yeah, maybe he put the bomb there himself. Maybe he, you know, paid the assassin to target him. Um, but yeah, the Gardner story, you know, I, I know I'm a big Guy Gardner fan, um, but it definitely fits in with the Gardner that we were reading already. Oh, yeah, he's a prick. He's a complete this. prick in yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did like it is very Guy Gardner, a lot of the stuff that I think, you know, I don't know if King went listen to the criticism from that issue that Guy Gardner fans had, but he is a little bit more of an honorable Guy Gardner here. Like when he takes the ring off to beat the piss out of this uh, brother, brother blood guy, that is a very Guy moment, you know, yet him talking about how badass he is and stuff that definitely felt more like in character there. Yeah. Um, but but I like that story too. I would like a mini, almost of all of these. And I know that's probably not going to happen, but just like, these are all really solid stories. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they all, they all kind of come together because they all benefit each yeah. other when you, by the time you get to the end. Yeah. And you, you're left with kind of this question of, okay, so Ace was doing her research on him. Mm-hmm. Is that because she's ultimately trying to play him and is like sort of learning about how, like, you know, what he's, you know, what he's, uh, how he works, like his ins and outs, yeah. uh, how he, you know, how do how does she like get to him and corrupt him if, if that's what she's trying to do? Because we've had this question of like, is this a genuine romance or is she mm-hmm. the femme fatale? Is she ultimately leading him to his downfall kind of thing? Uh, so th- this kind of stokes those fires a little bit. Whereas there's nothing implicating in this, I would say, but she could be doing research because she's been a professional and because she's scoping out a target effectively. Right. It also gets me too because the way that it plays fire is, you know, she seems as of the last issue that she was featured, she has a lot more to do with, you know, the the Lex Luthor poisoning than maybe we thought. And she has a femme fatale vibe. And then you read this and the fact that she sat with her with her photographer after he had died and it kind of runs counter to what we've seen, uh, you know, of her in the book so far. Yeah, and you have so, to assume that that's this. Interesting. Yeah, and you have to assume that this is a more honest because it's yeah. you know this is this is away from the mm-hmm. uh the the, 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 oh. the main narrative. This is just that this right. narrative on its own and her telling this to Ace. You, you sort of mm-hmm. it, it feels like it has to be more true. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite panels in the book is uh when the body actually dies in front of fire mm-hmm. and you get this close up panel of her eyes with green flames in front of it. 
Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really nice panel. I think the other thing that helps the, the art being different in each of these is that also the colouring. Uh, the Maguire art, and I love Maguire, I love when he did Supergirl. Uh, is you know it's very sort of flat and silver age and these big bold colors. The the Yannin art has more muted colors with the fire story, yeah. and then Albuquerque has way more shadows and scratchiness to it because that's just Albuquerque mm-hmm. style. So they all have a very distinct look, even beyond just the line work, which I think yeah. is is really neat. Um, so no, all, all really good stuff. Uh, but that's kind of where I got at the end was kind of like okay, so these were all human target stories of him impersonating someone because that's kind of his gimmick, but. It was kind of like, okay, why is Ace looking for this information? Uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to tie into the main book. I thought it might just be like random different stories and that was it. But the fact that it, by the end it's like, oh no, this was her doing her homework. For better or worse, for whatever reason it is, um, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a cool way to tie it into the main book and feel relevant yeah. to it. So, uh, very neat. Which is why it's also very genius neat. that those little moments with her are still in Smallwood art because it still feels like that's yep. the main part of the book, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. So, uh, so really good. Also, the fact that the eventual death of the writer, the fake death, uh, mm-hmm. with Chance taking the bullet, happens when Booster's standing right next to him doing press and doesn't notice that he gets shot. Yep. <laughs> it's also genius it, funny. Yeah. yeah it play, plays in, really leans into the Booster stuff here. But yeah, they're just, again, Tom King getting to work with all of these artists at one book that the man, again, CIA training, what does he have? Yeah. And also, you know, just on my thing of like, as Ace up to something and that's why she's doing her homework. The final thing she says also could be interpreted as, no, she just likes the sound of them. You know, because right. uh, Fire says, you know, you have to at least watch out because when you're with Christopher Chance, it means you're also the target now. And she goes, I am. Well, that sounds, you know, now that I know my bit, that sounds like fun. So maybe she is just like seeing something in him from these stories. Uh, I, you know, even if it was to get rid of Gardner, th- if that was her overall plan, <laughs> it worked. So, you know, like, you know, because uh, I still don't know where to feel about her because she does feel like the femme fatale in some moments. But in others, it feels like someone that is really trying to help him out, figure out who poisoned him. So, uh, but I still think that ultimately the poisoning is like this, this job with the, with the the writer where this is something that he's doing oh, to, yeah, to yeah. I think there's for, something else out from issue one i think mm-hmm. the ultimate twist that this is kind of like always high and over the book is that he's not really dying and this is just another one of his human target style right you know uh hijinks if you are you know, trying to flush some someone out of just the international and <clears> and this is the the way <throat> that he's doing it and this this these three stories only show how far he'll go Right. Yeah, like, yeah. He was he was buried, and he popped up uh, like a zombie on. Uh, yeah, yeah. On fire. He, the, the hand comes out of the grave, yeah. pre- presumably because he doesn't know if she's left yet, and right. he's surprised to find fire still there watching him. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, no, really good stuff. Uh, the art is excellent in all three stories. It's all very distinct yep. and different as well. Um, you know, obviously Guy Gardner looks horrible because of that stupid haircut, but that's not Albuquerque's yeah. fault. Yeah, no, the the it is Guy Gardner of that era, so you got to give him the stupid bowl cut. Yeah. So, so. But yeah, but dude, the fight scene that he draws is is uh, you feel the punches. It's done really viscerally, which I like. Um, it does feel like a slobber knocker. And that's the so. other part as well. I said how different the the, the art, you know, and the stories is. They're all mm-hmm. very different as well from Smallwood. So when you go back to that, right. you know, the, the the ace part where she's here in the stories, it does feel again very distinct. But it it's also oh, we're back in the real 
you know, part yep. of the story, the detain line. So, I mean, if this existed to give me a bit of flavor and hype me up for uh, issue seven coming out, then yeah. uh, consider it a resounding success. Uh, so, great stuff. Uh, what are you giving Tales of the Human Target issue one? I'm giving this a nine. I am also going to give this a nine. Uh, Boom. So, it uh, is excellent. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily reach the peak of some of the, you know, the, the great issues in the main book. Uh, I think I've given, like, you know, nines, 9.5s, and 10s across <laughs> across the last, like, six issues. But, um, yeah, there you go. So, uh, once again, Connor's an idiot because he chose not to continue after issue one. Or did, uh, did he even try issue one? I can't even remember. I don't remember, but, like, I understand there's some hesitation with Tom King. But now, like, each book that he writes, mm. you know... Well, I, as you pointed out earlier, without that, you know, but like Killing Time, uh, Rorschachs, uh, Woman of Tomorrow, this, everything just, is just so good. It's of a certain quality. Oh, he, um, he's on a hell of a run right now. It's yeah. uh, so, uh, something else. Uh, yeah. There you go. So that is our thoughts on Tales of the Human Target, uh, which I think the cover is misleading because it says book one, like it, there's going to be yeah. more. And I'm like, I mean, I know, I know one shots usually say issue one, but it just it feels a bit yeah. more specific with book one. You know what, though? If, if this is something that he can come back to every once in a while and just oh, do sure. a story, something like this, or even just one story, uh, you know, because I feel like I feel like Human Target's the type of person that needs a a, a limited series. Yeah. So if he was just coming back and doing one shots, annuals, whatever you want to call them, I think that's cool. And I'd definitely I, be down for that. I'm actually, I feel like we're getting close to probably hearing about a, a new 12 issue book from him just because, yeah. you know, these other ones have finished. Did the Batman one mm -hmm. shot, obviously. Killing Time's even yeah. done. So all he's got right now is Human Target, I think, unless I'm forgetting yeah. something. Yeah. But uh, we're probably on the brink of him announcing something soon, I mm -hmm. would assume. But uh, sure. Cool. All right. Uh, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. So we'll start with panel slash moment, Matt. What do you got? Oof, man. There's some there's some really good ones in action. There's one where, where Superman busts through and sees the big gigantic uh, Olgren, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. The Bar, Bar, uh, Bados page in tech is super good. Um... But I, I'm going to pull this one from Swamp Thing, and it's going to be that last part about, you know, making choices and having hope. And, you know, Levi turning and, and walking away from Woodrow. Or not Woodrow, the... Um, um, Wanderer. The Wanderer, thank you. Yes. You know, walking away and, and turning, to, you know, and that's what the choices are about. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to go from Swamp Thing, and I think I have to just go with the moment he finally says, um, when two ideas collide, it means there's a choice. Uh, because for me, that was like, oh, that's the, that's the entire point of this whole book. That, everything just mm -hmm. came down to that one sentence. And it feels great when you have those kind of moments, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's the, uh, that's what this is about, isn't it, Clarice? The, the screaming of the lambs, and you kind of all of a sudden get what the title is. It's like, yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, no, that's like this, because obviously the swamp thing. Yeah, no, but, but it's, yeah, it, it's the same kind of aha moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it doesn't feel cheap because it's like, oh, there's so much weight to it because mm -hmm. they've spent all of these issues building up what that means. So, uh, yeah, that's my pick. Uh, so cover of the week, um, I'll, I'll, I'll mention three. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it is what it is, but I have to say the Art Germ Supergirl cover for action is... It, it it looks good, all right. It's obviously it's it's a bit tacky because it's a swimsuit cover, but it looks good. What do you want from me? That's not my pick. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, also, the variant for Swamp Thing, uh, which is uh, Brian Bolland, and it's like Swamp Thing coming out of like just a pile of like mechanical pieces and gears and shit. Uh, looks very good. The the gears and stuff are all in black and white, but then Swamp Thing's green, obviously, so that's cool. But my pick of the week, probably not a surprise, is the main cover for Tales of the Human Target. Uh, it's just stunning and pulpy and everything else. So, what's your pick, Matt? Uh, yeah. Um. I was going to pick that one, but in, in the sake of making different stuff, uh, the variants for Human Target are also very nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a Marquez one that has, uh, you know, has like the target uh, shape, but it there's different members of the Justice League International that take up like peace. That's really cool. And then there's a Jimenez. Uh, it's, it's Chance and Tora. It look, just looks really, really nice. Um, and it almost has a Norman uh, Rockwell kind of quality to it. But yeah, I'm going to do the Marque- uh, Marquez variant because it's really cool. And you took the main cover, which, you know, trying to mix things up. You can pick the same one. I'm not going to give you... No, I know, but I, I want to give credit to, to the Marquez one too. Sure, so. sure. Uh, all right. Um, art of the week. This one's hard because it's, oh, yeah, it's either Mike Perkins or it's the grab bag of... of human target yeah normally when you have multiple artists usually there's one that lets it down but this is kind of a weird case where they're all pretty good yeah so i'll have you pick first (laughs) okay (laughs) and i'll pick the opposite all right well albuquerque for detective i'm kidding i mean it's very good the albuquerque detective is very good yeah uh i am going to go with perkins though because as much as it works in the context of jumping between the different Mm -hmm. stories you're still jumping between art, and there's still something yeah. to be said for just consistent art throughout, and I think, ultimately, I'm giving it this one thing, so. There you go, yeah, then I'll take Tales of the Human Target, because yeah, right. that's just a sort of force. Okay, okay. Um, and then, of course, uh, top five of the week, so on you go, Matt. Uh, so number one is Swamp Thing, two is Tales of the Human Target, three is Detective Comics, four is Action, and five is Robin. Yeah, pretty similar for me. Number one, Swamp Thing. Number two, Tales of the Human Target. Number three, Detective. Number... Uh, wait, hold on. Was it? Aye. Right, okay. Dete- yeah, yeah, Detective, then Robin, then in action, probably. And, and last, yeah. Okay, so there you go. Uh, there's this week's books. Uh, so, yeah, I will now tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. Uh, we have uh, a week five uh next week so good good week for to do some patreon books actually uh, that's convenient for it me. works out right uh but we have the flash 2022 annual but you know what? i'm not going to say 2022 for all these i'm just going to say annual okay you yep. know it's the 2022 because we're in 2022 all right so we get the flash annual we have the harley quinn annual we have the wonder girl annual um which i would love to be excited to check out but i feel like it's probably going to tie into the um, stuff that i already dropped I'm going to look real quick because... Oh, yeah, no. Uh, it's got Adriana Mello uh, mm. on art. And it's uh, Douglas Marrakis and Joel Jones on the writing. But it says, After an unforgettable first visit to Themyscira, Yara Flora has been crowned Wonder Girl and her Escasita tribe accepted into the Amazon Sisterhood. So what now? As the jungles of Brazil beckon our heroes home. It kind, so, yeah. of, it kind of sounds like just a continuation, yep. uh, her next you know issue, effectively. 
from the Joel Jones series. Well, it also says you won't want to miss this oversized issue packed with never before seen stories about the mysterious new tribe and their most famous member. So mm. it almost feels like we're going to get, um, you know, a, a couple things going on about the Escazita. If I have time, I might read this. Sure. I do. I do like Yara a lot. She's a great character. So we'll see. Anyway, we got Sandman Universe Nightmare Country issue 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Superman World Apocalypse issue 1, which is the finale to the World War Saga. So obviously that's kind of the big thing yep. for next week. Uh, there's Harley Quinn, the animated series, the real sidekicks of New Gotham special issue 1. So that's basically an annual for that Heat, heat Bang Kelter <laughs> book that was coming yeah. out. Uh, although it's even bigger than an annual. It's $10, so it's a, it's a meaty one. Uh, and then we've got D- DC Saved by the Bell Reeve issue 1. You know what? It's a ten dollar anthology book, which we don't usually read unless it's a special anniversary issue or something. Yeah, um, I am almost tempted because that title is just so good. <laughs> yeah, so it's an eighty pager. There's, as of counting on the writing, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So there's ten writers credited. Um, but they include Tomasi, Brandon Thomas, Becky Cloonan, Tim Seeley, Franco Orlani, Brendan Fletcher, Dave Welgioz, Dan Waters. So, yeah, this might be something uh, to read. I There's know. a Tiny Titan story by Art Balthazar. So, I admit, it's not high priority. For, I mean, for no. me, like I can tell you that I'm reading War World Apocalypse, The Flash... And after that, my Patreon books. So I guess I might read the Save by the Bell Reeve or the Wonder Girl book. Whatever one strikes my fancy more. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if I if we were going to bring in some non DC books, uh, next week's yeah. exactly the sort of week that would be right. suitable for it. Uh, so by all means, do give us some feedback on that thought uh, at DC Comics Podcast uh, on Twitter's uh, or elsewhere if you like. But. Uh, uh, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. Thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Traisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, they're the Mail Fuzz pro- uh, Patreon producers. Uh, obviously, Mail Fuzz uh, is kind of the, the, the umbrella of which Cults in the Multiverse comes under. Uh, we have two other YouTube channels that are, you know, uh, a lot of our main content goes on, which is Mail Fuzz TV and Mail Fuzz Movies. So if you want movie podcasts and TV episode reviews and things like that, go and have a look at all those things. Um, some of which is available as an audio uh, podcast feed as well, the movie stuff in particular. So go and have a have a look see at that. Um, you know, but otherwise, you know, you can support everything by liking, subscribing, dinging the bell on YouTube, or of course rating us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Give us a five star review; always helps out. And of course, uh, you can um, uh, I'm out of things to promote. I think I think I ran out. I think I I set up another one. I didn't have any left. <laughs> But yes, uh, but as always, just share us around uh, and enjoy the show. Yep. Uh, but uh, that has been episode 320 of Comics from the Multiverse. Uh, you can, of course, uh, look forward to episode 321 next week. Um, and I don't think Connor will be back because I, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure his days off next week don't even get close to being one of the days that it could be on this show. But he will be back eventually. Like It, it will happen. Uh what I'm curious about, is he been keeping up with the books, or is he just leaving himself a list of, like, rid- a ridiculous number of books to catch up on for the week that he's going to be back on the show? Is he going to read, like, 50 comics in one week? Because he's done that before. That's, I know what he's like. That's a very Connor thing to do, yeah. He, he does do that. So, that's you know. Um, we'll see. Uh, yep. But that is the show. 
Um, that is that is everything. Um, so we'll be back next week with uh, some shenanigans for a weird week five, and we'll see uh, how things uh, shape up. But uh, that is Callus Multiverse. Thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Thank you.